destroy all secrets g-force probed Hello and welcome to Triangle Squared, a PlayStation podcast. I'm your host, Brett Beck, and alongside me, as always, is Mr. Saul. Bridges, bringing you guys lucky episode. Dang, I forgot what episode we're on entirely. 229. 229, that's right. And alongside me, as now and always, Mr. Oh, Chris Figs. I'm supposed to say my own name. Hey, what's going on? <laughs> you hear that, though? He said forever and always, Chris. That makes me feel warm and fuzzy inside. Like, like the... Um, uh, what's that band called? Bullet for My Valentine song. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Um, let's see. I love that this looks like it's not recording my audio at all, but I'm just going to have faith that it is indeed recording my audio. On my side, it I see like audio waves. Yeah. yeah. Well, hey, look at that. That's all that matters. Should have been if more like George to the show. <laughs> If you are new to the show, uh, stick around where you can find out where you can watch and or listen to us and be part of the community. But for now, we like to start off the show in the time-honored way of getting a feel for what everyone has been doing in the show uh, throughout the week. What games have we been playing uh, so that you can ask us whatever questions you want to if you have any, as well as just get information about what we got going on. So, Chris, I'm going to start with you again. Uh, what you been playing this week, bud? Uh, Tales of Arise. Deathloop and Apex Legends. That's your holy trinity for the week. That's my holy trinity for the week. It's okay. really more like a holy singular thing. I've Tales been playing of Arise, really? Arise. Yeah, yeah. So on Deathloop, because spoiler alert, it's what I've been playing too. How far? Like you know, if you had to give an hour count, or it's a little hard, right? The thing about Deathloop that's hard is everyone is going to be somewhere else because of the fact that it's entirely based on how good you are at getting through the loop. Yeah. Yep. So, I mean, I if you, beat, if you could say tutorial. something, that's it? Okay. <laughs> like, I, I can pr- now protect the loop, and that's how much I've played. I got you. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, Tails. Tails. Uh, yeah, tell me how much you're uh, you're enjoying. Because I know you've been saying a lot about it. So, you seem like you're fairly far into it. I know you've been off work for a few days, right? Yeah, I had Wednesday and Thursday off. I binged it. Not really. I, I played a lot of it. I'm like 20 hours in now. Uh, okay. It's it's really good. It's uh, it's my game of the year so far. Do you feel like much has come out? But yeah, do you feel like that twenty hours in is like even remotely halfway, or do you feel like you have zero clue where the end is in sight here? It's one of those things where I'm either really close to the end, or there's going to be like a turn, and yeah. then it's going to last like thirty more hours. I'm not sure which one it is. So if I am, you know, if if my knowledge of how Tales games have always worked, it's going to be the latter. <laughs> That's my assumption on what's going to happen. Like I love Zillia, and but I remember like whenever I was playing through it, you they've always had this, but with that one for sure, I was like, this game feels like it's got three endings, but every ending is instead of it being an ending, it gets right towards the end. You're like, okay, resolution, and it's like, psych, new yeah. information. Yeah, because that's the thing with Arises. So far, it's been like relatively clean in terms of like the story going from A to B to C to D. Like it's so, all like, predictable to a degree. Not predictable, but it's just exactly what I thought was going to happen. You're going to go after the next person, and then you're going to go after the next person. And that's how it's played out so far. So I'm expecting there to have to be some kind of break in that. And I will say, there is. I got to a point where there is kind of a break in that, but it's still following the same formula. So I'm waiting for the formula to break again into something actually different. 
not that it needs it, but I expect it to happen. So, yeah, I mean, like I said, that's just kind of how they do things. So I don't know. I think per game, for the most part, the ones I've beaten and even the ones I've gotten relatively far in, you normally have about three of those. Yeah. And then yep. you actually get a real resolution. Um, and it's almost always, hey, we're going to completely shift the way you're looking at what you've been doing. And, That's what I'm expecting. Yeah, which is a cool thing. I, it's weird when a game series has that thing. Because like, Saul and I were talking not long ago about what is it to each other. And I, and we actually had fairly different things, I think, um, about what makes a Final Fantasy game a Final Fantasy game. And Saul had the stance... And this is not even in a strong defense of 15, but he had the the stance that he didn't think 15 was a Final Fantasy game in any notable way, uh, which I disagree with in some ways. But it's interesting because when a game is set up as a series, to some degree, there's everybody has their own form of expectations they form around what those games should be. And in a way that you can either subvert those expectations and end up having people be like, it was all right, but it didn't feel like this type of game. Or you can play into those expectations and have people be like, it was good. And it also pl- like felt like a Tales game or a Final Fantasy game. But at the same time, which one's better to surprise and subvert expectations? Probably not. Probably isn't an answer of better, but just, you know, how often can you kind of ride the line between keeping expectations <clears throat> and subverting them to where you hopefully draw a fine line? What's yeah, interesting that's- behind that, too, though, is people always get up at arms. Like, I think I may, I remain fairly consistent with, with games like that. Like, whenever something doesn't feel like that game, I'm quick to point it out, even if it's a strong point or a weak point. But what I find hilarious is that people criticize Breath of the Wild in a bad way for being different. But then they pray, the same people praise Final Fantasy for the same thing. And I don't get that. That, don't, that, line, that thought process to me doesn't make any sense. And that's that's just consistency is I don't understand how you could like a game for being different, completely different from the series for the most part. And then and say that and say like that's one of the benefits, but then rag on or criticize another game for the exact same thing. Well, yeah. that's a that's it's a level weird. of how well it's done, right? Like Yakuza 7 is, inc- is incredible and completely breaks the formula of Yakuza, but it's done well. Um, I personally haven't played too many examples of games that change like that, but I would imagine if if there's Man. controversy about it, it's like you changed it for the worse, so why did you change it? Whereas I don't think as many people are upset about Yakuza because, A, they changed it for the better, and then there's, well, to be fair, there's also Judgment, which kind of keeps the same Yeah, so it, uh, it's like gameplay, it, it offered but, a fork in the road of if you still want this type of Yakuza-style game, yeah. you can play one that's in the same type of world and has this familiar set up but from a different perspective or you can keep playing yakuza but we're going to switch it up um i think you know saul he's talking about legend of zelda and that's a good example of it seems to happen more often than not in really long-running series that have had to transition across things because what almost always ends up happening with those series including final fantasy at this point is that you are including final fantasy in general is that you have the group of people that either there's really like there's three groups of people. There's either people that like only the original games and long to see the games continue to be that people who only like the newer style version of whatever the, the switch happened when it had to transition into 3d or whatever it was that it had to transition into. And then you have the people that kind of just like whatever games speak to them. And Zelda is a big weird example because a lot of people didn't like wind waker for being very different when it first came out. And 
I love Wind Waker. I think it's a really interesting game. So it's weird because I also love the original classic top-down style Zelda games. And then for the most part, the 3D games have been hit or miss for me. There's some good ones and there's some good examples, uh, but there's plenty of rough ones in my opinion too. So it, it gets to a weird thing where I think the longer a series is around, the more that there becomes this feeling that you're eventually going to have to change it. And in Zelda's case, for all the complaints that Breath of the Wild gets, and y'all know I'm not a big fan of Breath of the Wild. I mean, I, I think it's a well-made game, but it's clearly, regardless of how I feel, the right move to go from a financial and even fan standpoint because Breath of the Wild made Zelda way bigger from a fan base standpoint than it previously was. It, it spoke to a large enough existing amount of fans and then brought in a lot of new people who had never played Zelda. So to that degree, they did a good thing. Well, mm-hmm. and I think too that like big long running game series uh, like Zelda, Halo, Yakuza, Final Fantasy, they always have this weird thing that I see a lot of the close fan groups do. And what they do is every time a new game comes out, it's hated among these fans. And then another game comes out and then the the first game was like that game was kind of unfairly we received, but it's saying <laughs> the people who are saying that are the same people that criticized it. Yeah. And then by the time the third game comes out, people are praising the original game, and then those following games are hitting the cycle. So it's it's like that with every single thing. I've seen it happen in like Halo. People are now starting to flip on Halo Five and say this game was it was it was wrongly uh, criticized. Like no, 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 no. This game's still universally hated. Don't go. You're starting to fall back because Halo Infinite is getting ready to come out. Zelda does the same thing where everybody hated Breath of the Wild. Guarantee when the sequel comes out, they're going to be like, this game was unfair. This is a gem. Like that, I guarantee you stuff like that's going to get said about it. And it's Chris, like to help you, Chris, I think he's saying that everybody who did hate Breath of the Wild is now going to go back and say, clearly Breath of the Wild is universally loved. It's, I was about it's, to say, it's, that's it's, like it's, a critically acclaimed game. I'm kind of confused where you're going <laughs> with this. But. No, no, I'm talking about the fan groups that, that, that hate on games like this, because gotcha. anytime a game changes its formula up, it gets hated on. And a lot of the times it's, it's criticized. I say gets hated on, but it's criticized because of the way it changes up. And that's fine. That is 100%. I'm not saying don't criticize a game because it changes. Um, and I'm not saying you're wrong to criticize a game because it changes. Um, you know, I am not a big fan of Final Fantasy 15. I'm just not. I don't like the way the game works. I think that uh, we talked about last week about how games transcend other mediums. I think that that game did it the best way possible because Brotherhood connected me more to those characters than the game did in the first 20 hours that I gave it. It was it by the end of Brotherhood, I was more connected with those characters than the game could ever make me feel, which going back to like what I said last week was that the game is supposed to give me that experience because it's the, it's the actual gameplay experience and it failed to do so. So therefore it is, it is I have 100% criticized the game for that. But then you'll have people who hate the game when it came out. But then by the time Final Fantasy 16 comes out, they're going to start saying, Oh, well maybe 15 was, you know, wrongly judged. And maybe this game's kind of a hidden gem. And then by the time, uh, 17 comes out people are going to be like this game was amazing it's kind of like what they did with 13 right 13 you see getting praised now all of a sudden that game was universally hated among a lot of people when it came out but now it's like you don't see many people saying that at all it's weird 
Yeah, I mean, Universal is still a hard thing, right? Because a lot of these games sold well. Like, you know, for all the flack that 15 gets, it was also one of the best-selling Final Fantasy I don't think sales. Ever. I don't think sales have to do with opinions, though. No, Just no, it sells they, well. no, they don't have to. They don't have to, but there has to be, to some degree, there's a correlation. People are buying a game based off of either their actual interest in it, and I think there's a lot of people hide their interest in things that are getting you you know hate online and subsectors and whatnot because they just don't want to be told uh you, i don't like that you like a game that i think is bad but across the board i just think that there are plenty of examples of games that are pr- really every game that comes out right definitely in a series that if it changes anything but even games that aren't part of a series there's always a group of people that are going to have something to say monster hunter world is one of the best is the best-selling capcom game ever yeah and brought so many people into monster hunter revived a bunch of fans and yet there's still a group of people online that think monster hunter world's a bad game because it completely changes the monster hunter formula yeah and and see and what that what the problem i have with that is what I, what, what i'm saying is at least is that those same people have, will have a subset of that group that will change their opinions when a new monster hunter comes out comes out just because that's how they work they think that now they people have moved on past it. It's now the cool thing. It's not cool to hate it anymore. So they actually won't hate it. Yeah, basically they feel con- validated in their reasoning. So contrarian, like, yeah. contrarianism, Pretty where no much, matter what, yeah. you're going to be on the opposite. Because as time goes on and people are no longer thinking about Final Fantasy, you had to hate it because people were talking about if they liked it. So it's like now I'm going to hate it. And then you flip around eventually and become the person who's like, well, now that Final Fantasy is not really being talked about much in 15, I'm going to go and sing its praises a little bit and be like, you know what? Game was all right. And see, yeah, it, it happens. It's like what I was telling you the other day is like, I don't think Final Fantasy 15 is a good Final Fantasy game at all. Um, but as a terms of a JRPG game, there, there's, I mean, it's kind of a very standard JRPG game. There's not really much I can fault it for being a JRPG game like that. Like, yep. and what I mean by that is just a general broad, like a style like Tales or Star Ocean, you know, it, what it does in the JRPG formula it does really well but what it does in the final fantasy formula for me does not do it well enough yeah that's fair um but uh anyway chris yeah glad you're liking tales getting back tales around to real quick but uh i hope you do get back to death loop because I'm gonna cut in front of you real quick as the host just because the only thing i've really played this week is death loop and a little bit of runescape and other like Weekend games, Phasmophobia and, hey, and Yu-Gi-Oh! and whatnot. I did beat Fist uh, right before. Yeah, that's a good point. Right before I started Deathloop, I beat Fist. Fist is fantastic. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Very hard, and I screwed myself up by not going and getting upgrades while just like playing through, trying yeah. so hard to make sure I beat it. But uh, anyway, enjoyed that. But Deathloop is so interesting. It, it's I am I'm, I'm seeing where the 10 out of 10 can be. And then no, you have these things where, well, here's the th- weird thing about it. I don't, it's fun early days, like early moments of the game, but I don't really think that those qualities start to come out until you actually start getting into how they utilize the loop for basically sussing out information and prioritizing time and what you learn between each concurrent loop. It's, it's weird. It's a game that really starts to shine at least like five hours in, maybe maybe four hours in. Again, it all depends on how good you are and how well you're playing into the idea of what the what the loop is. But I'm really enjoying it. It's uh, it's great so far. It's just that it has that thing where on PC it's having issues. It seemingly not necessarily across the board. It depends on who you are. Uh, but there's like menu bugs on PS5 occasionally. So I've only had like two or three. 
but it does serve to just kind of take you out of the experience for a second, which sucks. Otherwise, I'm very addicted to it, and it's fantastic. Last night while we were playing Phasmophobia and stuff, I was like, I could go in there and just play death loop <laughs> but i don't want to have people in my ear so i just either leave the chat or do that uh but Saul, what you been up to this week what you been playing i haven't played much this week uh, other than phasmophobia and i played a little bit of sea of thieves friday night or not friday night saturday night waiting for everybody to get on um in like discord and stuff uh, i actually thought about picking up tales because it is a 60 dollars playstation 5 game and I was about this close to picking it up um, yesterday to give me something to play through all day yesterday. Um, but I saw that Dragon Age 12 was on sale, and now I'm debating on getting that because that game's like $15 on sale right now. And for Dragon as long, Age 11, you mean? Yeah, or Dragon Age 11, yeah. Um, 12 is announced. Just 12 to- is announced, yeah, just not, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, um, that game's like 120 hours or something like that. It's ridiculous. And I don't know if I could commit to that, but for $14, I feel like even if I didn't, I would get some kind of value out of it. Probably. As someone who's played both tales is far and away better. See, so let me ask you this. How many hours are you in a tales? 25. Okay. Most tale games are around 40 ish hours in my experience, 30 uh-huh. ish to 40 ish, maybe, maybe 60 ish. If you want to do a lot of the side stuff. Yeah, I mean, the Platinum Guide is 50 to 70, and I'm going to get it, so okay. 50 to 70 <laughs> hours. So, yeah, you're not even hitting... I think the mainline story for Dragon Age 11 is 70, I think. 70 well, if you're, not gonna, if you're not going to commit to 110 hours, you're not going to commit to 70, so you might as well buy Tales, which you'll beat in the same amount of time that it would take you to get to the good part of Dragon Age 11, right? Oh, is that the thing with it? Is, is it like a well, slow That's what start? you just said. Well, I didn't say that about a good part. Oh, I don't know. The, the story could be good. Yeah, the story could be good all the way up until you know the end. I played the demo for Dragon Age 11 on Switch, and I got like maybe eight hours in. The thing about like that I have with some JRPGs, some JRPGs, you know, not going exactly back to Final Fantasy 15, but some of them are so formulaic <clears throat> that it's hard to play, or like it's hard to pay attention to. Um, because you're always going to have this random over the top character. That's like the ragtag side character. That's going to join your party. But the quest to do or get him is like shenanigans and hijinks up until, you know, this point that quest line takes like six hours. Um, I don't know. And like, I felt with dragon age 11, it kind of broke away from that, but I still felt kind of halfway in and out. And that might've been cause I was playing on switch and handheld games. I don't like typically playing any kind of story driven games on handhelds. Um, unless a very few have worked that well. That's so why I'm excited for the Castlevania advanced collection that we're going to talk yeah. about. Later. Tales. Tales is an interesting thing. I, I mean, realistically from what I've seen of both and the little bit I've played of uh dragon quest 11, I'm I'm not feeling that one. <laughs> it's just not for me. It's too long, and I think it's too long to get to the point. Kind of like you are talking about with Ghost of Tsushima, or at least the way y'all felt about it in the early days, that it was being too long up front to get you invested. That's how I feel about Dragon Age. That's how I feel about a handful of the Tales games that have come out the past gen. Uh, it's it's why I'm worried about starting Persona Five. And, and don't worry even, about starting Persona Five. Yeah, because I won't. <laughs> You should you should start Persona Four I, on the Vita and see. I kid, Chris. Who knows? Monday I might, but it's just you won't. I'm be honest. I don't have it. Probably not. It's the same reason I will never try 
uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla because there's no way I'm going to beat that game. And if I'm not going to beat it, I don't see the point in really even playing it because it's too long. Everything I've seen about it is, and it's exactly how I felt. I, I wasted, in my opinion, 25 hours of me playing Assassin's Creed Odyssey just to drop out of it because it just was boring and didn't care about my time. And I'm not saying that the same thing will happen there, but the fear is enough to make me go, is that is that 25 hours I may put into it and then fall out better invested in the game that I can play and beat and f- experience the whole story in the same time period? And that's kind of where I'm at with that. So game linked is sometimes something that can either be inviting and be like, oh, that's cool. And then sometimes I'm finding either as I'm getting older that I don't want a game to tell me up front that it's 100 plus hours. I would rather just play the game, get so enveloped and then not know. So in that sense, doing the podcast is a little bit of an issue for me because it makes me more on the nose of all these things where I almost wonder if I could play Persona 5. Uh, or even Persona 5 Royal, without doing, without having ever known that it was that long. Could I start it, get really into it, and then that carry me all the way through? I would hope so. I but think, now that I know it, what? the fear of starting it's there. You know, I don't well, want to. I don't want to risk that long of a thing. I think both Persona 5 and Persona 4. I can't speak for Persona 5 as much as I can for Persona 4, but I think that even knowing the amount of time to beat those games will still suck you in, based off their story alone. Absolutely. I mean, no wrong. I know it's a possibility, but not a possibility. It, it will happen if you give it a chance. Okay, but my point is, all games, all games are possibilities, and it's a well, the commitment of thinking about the fact that if I want to see that through, I would have to literally put a month, maybe more, aside to be able to play that game, just because I have other stuff going on in life. It makes me be like, mm, I don't know. And then it's, I don't know. It's it's where I am. I really like games to be like no more than. 40 to 60 hours. That's kind of like the the window that I think is the max. And even then, I really prefer smaller, shorter games right now where I can be like, all right, I can play 20 hours and be done. But who knows? Maybe one day when I have more free time. Chris, when I'm retired and my daughter is fully grown and I'm sitting at home, I'm going to be like, oh, because I'm going to be like 70 because, you know, mm-hmm. that's the way that you keep, you keep retirement's a joke. Um, <laughs> I'm going to be sitting there. Let me, let me, let me launch up the PlayStation four and play <laughs> persona five. And then I'll get to, I'll message you. I'll probably like hologram call you and be like, Chris, it was amazing. Mm-hmm. But and I'll remember for the next 40 years that I recommended you one game through our entire friendship and you refused to play it. Yep. That's right. You I'll carry that, that. Yeah. carry that I'll on your heart, right there mm-hmm. in your heart. And every time you think of me, let that hate build up inside. I will, and then one day I'll send you a, a postcard that says uh, we're going to take your heart, and then you're dead. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. So moving on, we're going to go ahead and jump into the news for the episode. So first thing I'll go ahead and tell you: last week was like the news moment, right? There's not as much interesting news this week, if I'm just being upfront about it. <clears throat> so this is going to be a little more catch-all to a degree. So the first thing, just to congratulate Chris's game he's loving so much, Tales of Arise has shipped 1 million copies, becoming the fastest-selling game in the franchise, whereas Tales of Berseria just hit 2 million copies sold, just to show you the difference. So Tales of Arise could slow down and not hit 2 million, but I don't see that happening. It's got a lot of hype behind it right now. I've seen more people talking about Tales as a series than I ever have. And it's and on Xbox. It's what they wanted, you know? Uh, is Tales, was it Scarlet Nexus that was day one Game Pass, or is Tales of Arise also? Neither were. 
Not, say, no, think, that's right. Scarlet Nexus was the rumored one that never ended up happening. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say I think Scarlet Nexus was like supposed to be by rumors, but yeah. never showed but up. But then again, that's the problem. That's the problem with fans of Game Pass is that every game is going to be a day one Game Pass game because that's Co- what they want. They're hoping to manifest it. I think Code Vein was day one, wasn't it? I don't think so. No, I don't think so. I for some reason remember that game going either to Game Pass really soon after or being day one. Maybe really soon after, but I don't think besides that. Uh, next thing up, Saints Row reboot reboot got a leak of a of a video showcasing gameplay and developers talking about systems at a deeper level. The video has been pulled, but if you want to go check it out, there's a few mirrors that are still up. If you want to see like a deeper look at what to expect from the game, what's interesting is that the guy who did it clearly did it with like <coughs> malicious intent because the entire video says "F Deep Silver" in like a watermark across the top. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think yeah, he, I think I was reading he got fired. Yeah. Not surprised. Uh, he was like very proudly being like, "Hey, uh, I was happy to record this and expose Deep Silver's mess up or whatever." Very interesting. However, you want to call it. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so there's that. Who knows what you'll go to learn of it? I will say this: seeing it in that capacity, where there was longer stretches of letting me see things undone, I am impressed at the fact that it looks surprisingly like. There's still a couple of spots that I'm like, "And eh, that looks a little off," but the game looks surprisingly AAA. And we'll see how that ends up actually playing out because for the longest time, I would argue that much like Darksiders, Saints Row and Darksiders were like the top of the THQ AA, but it was just the best of AA. So we'll see what happens now. Uh, Next thing up, Cyber Patch. uh, Cyber Patch. (laughs) (laughs) Cyber Patch. That's That's the new name for the city. Cyberpunk Patch 1.31 is out and includes memory optimization for PS4 and PS5 versions of the game and more bug fixes, offering up another chance for you to either choose to start or return to the game now, wait for an official next-gen release, or just skip the game as all. Now, here's where the fun starts, boys. Ren and Stimpy join the roster for Nickelodeon All-Star Brawl. And look to be a duo style play where it's more a single fighter, a fighter like uh, Ice Climbers and Rosalina and Luma are, which is good because we were talking about that with Keenan and Kel. And while I know I have to break your heart that it's not Keenan and Kel, Chris, still possible. <laughs> it's still possible. This- and I hope that it happens in all your, as you want to call it, FMV glory. <laughs> <laughs> the final smash for Keenan and Kel could be like them, <clears throat> like a stage pops up and they're standing on it and they walk off the stage. You know how the intro to every episode starts? Yeah. And then it just blows every character off the stage. So that, or it would it be even funnier if the fi- ultimate smash was they just turn into their characters from Good Burger? <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> That would not surprise me at this point. You know, the thing is, is that there's so many things that they did. Definitely being part of, um, was it all that right? The the sketch show. Yeah. There's so many ways that at least you know how Smash has got all the costumes for uh, characters. That would be a great thing. Like they would be easy to just have a handful of costumes. You know what I mean? Like easily definable and recognizable. But to Chris's thing of wanting them to be like where they're actually filmed and then edited into it. You know how harder, how much harder it would be because every move would have to be recorded individually <coughs> for a different outfit, yes, which would, would mean that it would act, it would end up being just a little bit different. And so depending on the outfit, you'd have probably slightly different iframes unless you didn't program it that way. And then you'd be mad because someone clearly hit you, but missed your iframe, or, you know, missed where your frame, your hitbox actually was. That's, that's why people don't do games like that anymore. Chris, it's worth it. It's worth you, it for you know the what? joke. This is what you do. You go and petition 
Nickelodeon to 100% just make a Keenan and Kel fighting game. Where Change. It's entirely org. <laughs> right, let's make I this make, happen, boys. Making an account on change.org. All right, Chris, we're going to post this uh, whenever you're done at the end of the episode. <laughs> whenever we uh, upload it, we're going to have your change.org petition link in the description below. Okay. This is your moment. Excellent. <laughs> All right. Um, so. I got anything that you guys want to add about that. I know that y'all had uh, all the lovey signs around that piece of news. No, but we need to stream this game when it comes out. Yeah. I really hope this is good. My, it's not even like a real fear, but there's, it would almost be funny to a degree. If after seeing all of this game and linking, wow, this actually looks good. We buy it and it's just hot dog trash. That would be the craziest thing. That would be fine. That would be funny too. (laughs) It's fine. Yeah, well, you know, Nickelodeon's about comedy. (laughs) Uh, Next thing up, and something that's become a staple of this year, we have another delay. DICE have announced that Battlefield 2042 will miss its October 22nd release and instead push back four weeks to November 19th. The studio insists that the game's delay is nothing more than wanting extra time for bug squashing and that unlike Battlefield 5, which also received a delay, if I'm not mistaken, it is not still implementing feature changes at this point, which means that the four weeks will be spent more efficiently doing only bug squashing, which is probably the right move for a game that's entirely multiplayer based. Because, you know, when you have these day one multiplayer games, you don't have the ability to be like, oh, well, while we work on the multiplayer, go play the single player. (laughs) It's either you're playing it or you're not. And uh, if the Sony 2011 PSN hack proved anything, even games with single player stories aren't immune to that because Mag almost completely died because of that, which it basically did. SOCOM 4 completely died because of people not being able to play it for a month. And that's just what happens. As sad as it is. Yeah, I'm looking forward to Call of Duty, or geez, not looking forward to Call of Duty, actually, but I am looking forward to Battlefield. So this was a little disappointing, but as long as the game is good, it'll be fine. So you actually, you brought up Call of Duty, which I noticed you didn't say whenever you said what you'd played this week. Well, I'm I'm very aware of the fact that you played the Call of Duty Vanguard beta because you I did. would not stop commenting about how bad it was. I <laughs> or not even I bad. Two you things. Didn't say, you didn't say bad either. You also just said how underwhelming that it was or whatever yeah it's just boring i don't know i think i'm just done with call of duty after 15 years of my life but it was just i played it and i was just very much like uh, okay welcome to the other side chris i'm proud of you, you finally <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean battlefield is the same game just grittier so who knows but <laughs> Yeah, it's the same game, but it's got bullet drop. That's what I remember back when I worked at GameStop. It was Call of Duty sucks. It doesn't even have bullet drop. <laughs> yeah. No destructible uh, environments, which Call of Duty actually does have, by the way. It does now, for sure. So does Red Faction on PS2. <clears throat> so Yeah, that's also true. Red Faction Gorilla on PS3 probably has the most destructible environments I've ever seen in a game. Maybe, a, maybe aside from Bad Company. Battlefield Bad Company, had you could destroy a whole house. Yeah, yeah. Just, just bad company. Game. I was gonna say, Bad Company is the best co- uh, Battlefield game they've ever made. I think so too. Bad Company too, specifically in my opinion. But I think they're both equally tied on. Honestly, they're they're very good. I think Bad Company right. two gave me motion sickness a little bit. I think it was one of those other weird games, like w- like one in a lot, like once in a lifetime. That and like uh, PlayStation All Stars. PlayStation All Stars gave you motion sickness. Yeah, I couldn't tell if it was the TV we were playing at a GameStop, but they had it on a TV for like a midnight release. For something else going on and like i just remember sitting there watching it. i'm like this this hurts 
Hmm. Interesting. Normally, first-person games get people like the Talos Principle, and things like Portal will sometimes it, get it, people. It could. It could have been the TV, like having some kind of weird thing. There's probably some little cheap TV they were using. Who knows? Yeah. All right. Next news piece: uh, Dying Light Two also joins alongside it, uh, alongside Battlefield, as another delay for the week. But instead of a short four-week delay, the game will instead move from its seventh of December release to February fourth. So roughly eight weeks, uh, 2022 release. Um, I don't know. That game is in an interesting spot. <clears throat> After not going to hit this year and then confirming it was and now back to not. I don't know why anybody's actually put a real date on anything and said we will for sure make it this year. Not a good look right now because it's just seems like delays are more of what's going on. And that's okay, but it's part of it. Uh, let's see. Next thing up, Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy has gone gold. So while Cyberpunk has hurt our trust, the chances of it being delayed ahead of its October 26th release are virtually zero. But you take that Cyberpunk lesson and you put it in your heart and you remember it every time a game goes gold. That technically speaking, <laughs> we have finally had a game go gold and then still get delayed. It has so, happened. What a crazy thing, too, because like, what do you benefit from going gold, printing it on a disc? And then having a crappy disc version out there, I don't know. It's just weird. If you're going to delay it, just be like, "Yeah, we're we're not we're going to delay the gold as well." But oh they well. just assume no one was buying them or doing that. So who knows? Ridiculous either way. I almost wonder if their pre-order numbers were like overwhelmingly digital, so they were just like, "Ah, the disc doesn't have to be that big of a deal." But yeah. Who knows? Okay, this is one of the bigger things from the week. THQ Nordic, the company that brought out bought out the rights to THQ when it went under, has been around for 10 years now and decided to show six new games of its many they have in the burner, as well as updates on a few others as part of a celebration. The game announcements were as followed. We got what PlayStation already leaked earlier in the week, which was Destroy <laughs> All Humans 2 reprobed, so a remake of the second game following after the remake they did of the first game. Uh, and, of course, continuing their legacy of pun-filled taglines uh, as part of the names behind their remasters and remakes. I actually enjoy that. I think it makes more sense in the comedic style of Destroy All Humans 2. Also, that reveal trailer was awesome. As soon as I started here in Ramstein, like when it first popped on, I said, no way. And then I just had a blast the entire time while they were doing America. <laughs> I never played the second one. The second one's a lot better than the first one, or it was on PS2. The first one's still a good game. Yeah, see, like um, we rented the first one a lot. We never owned it, but we rented it. It was Yeah, fantastic. I haven't had time to get around to the remake of one, um, but people said that it actually streamlined a lot of the things of the game and made it a lot better. So <laughs> Chris, I'm so proud to announce, has made... His uh, his Keenan and Kel Nickelodeon All Star Brawl uh, Change dot org petition. Please sign it. Look in the description of the podcast <laughs> video, and we will see if we can make change in this world. <laughs> I only live uh, for positive change. So, Chris, I know you're excited yes. about Destroy All Humans too. What you thinking? Yeah, I- I'm glad it's happening. I'm a really big fan of those games as I was as a kid. So, uh, I'll certainly play it. I think those games are very underrated gems. So I think so too. Did you ever get around to playing the remake of the first one? Uh, a little bit. I played like an hour of it. Yeah. Typical fashion kind of thing. Yeah. I'll you get know, back to it. I download it. I play an hour yeah. and then yeah, I, I look on my phone as you download Zestiria and Berseria as you're playing <laughs> a 70 hour game and thinking, yeah, he's totally going to start those immediately after. <laughs> oh yeah. I'll definitely or, start. You'll Zestiria. start them. Yeah. You'll start yeah. them. That's about it. 
Exactly. Uh, That's all that's important. Uh, Saul, well, it, hopefully you get to enjoy Destroy All Humans 2 Reprobed if you if you have any interest in it. But regardless, yeah. that uh, the trailer was great because it did the thing that you want, right? Where you get the little CG opening intro and then they showed gameplay stuff for a second, kind of showing the things go off. So pretty cool. Interesting to see when we're going to end up getting that. But uh, next game up is Outcast 2, A New Beginning, which is interesting because I would imagine, as <clears> even <throat> they said, most people did not play the original one because it's an older game. So while you may have, the original game came out in like 99. <laughs> yeah. uh, they did do a remake of the original back in 2017. Um, I can't remember what the actual subtitle for it was called. I think Second something, uh, what was it, Outcast Second Coming or second contact so if you want to play that and see yeah i looked at it because i thought well maybe it's a sci-fi game but i don't know doesn't look like it's up my speed cool to see them coming back and doing niche games like this um expeditions rome was the other one and it's more of an update on a game that i think we already knew about it's an isometric tactical turn-based rpg uh that you have with companions i like the way it looks but i don't know if i'd end up playing this or not um it's an interesting idea, and I was also really surprised to see how many of the games they revealed looks very PC focused. With and even though they may come to console, it was interesting to see so many third person isometric strategy or real time strategy or whatnot games in this whole showcase. Um, next thing up, MX versus ATV Legends which was shown as the next entry in a very long-running series at this point. I like those games, but never enough to spend $60 on them, and that's about where I'm always at. Some of the most fun I've ever had in my entire life came from ATV Off-Road Fury 2 on PS2, and it's banging soundtrack. I can honestly share that same sentiment on every single game that they've announced. It's like, these are all cool games. I'm not going to spend $60 on any of them. Maybe maybe Destroy All Humans 2, but I don't think that's going to launch at $60. I don't think the first remake did. I want to say it was a forty, 40. or fifty dollar title. Yeah, yeah, forty dollars. Which it, is cool considering I, that they actually did a, a a large number of changes to the game. But go yeah, ahead, that, yeah, that's all I was going to say because I actually was going to buy it at forty, and it's on sale yeah. right now. I think actually, like for like. $10. I mean, it'd be a be a good time considering you just announced the second one. <laughs> we announced the second one. Please buy the first one. <laughs> <clears throat> For cheaper. <laughs> uh, next thing up, Superpowers 3, a real-time strategy geopolitical sim. Those are never my thing, but I know people who absolutely adore those games. Yeah, I'll play that. <laughs> for one hour I, and then quit. I, know, I love Crusaders, Kate. Crusaders <laughs> yeah, I know you three. Do. Played yeah. like a solid three hours. Fuck, screw you. Bro. Look at you guys. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, I played a, a bunch 200% of really increase on what I said. I'm so proud <laughs> exactly. of you. Exactly. <laughs> okay. You didn't believe in me. I didn't. I'm so sorry. Uh, next thing up is a sequel. It's a game we already knew about of Elix 2 Fantasy Action RPG. The first game, it's made by Piranha Bytes. And I can't remember. I think that they're the people behind Arcane. I'm trying to remember what game they made before. They're, they're kind of, they remind me of Spiders, the, the team behind Greedfall, where yeah. every game they put out, I'm like, I'll be mildly interested for a second and then I'll play it for a little bit and then be like, oh, shame. <laughs> So my hope is that this game can actually be what what Greedfall ended up being for Spiders, where it's like, oh, they actually made a game where every bit of promise that the game had was met with gameplay. That remains to be seen. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Um, Those remain to be seen. 
Yeah, Jagged Alliance 3, which is another isometric turn-based tactical shooter, which actually looked cool because it, it kind of made me think of Killzone, uh, which not to say there aren't other games like this, but it made me think about those times where Saul and I were talking about um, Killzone Liberation. And there's just something cool about that kind of turn-based. The only thing about that is I, I wouldn't want it to be turn-based personally. I really love the idea of Killzone Liberation, keeping it where it's still third-person uh, isometric and it's still very tactical, but it's real-time. I would love to see that, but still, that actually looks surprisingly good. Yeah, it's uh, neat. Saul, any thoughts on that? I don't have any thoughts on anything that's not destroy humans in this whole entire thing. <laughs> I was, I don't have much on this either, but that's also because I never played Battle for Bikini Bottom, but the next and final game that they shown was SpongeBob SquarePants, The Cosmic Shake, that which is, like of a- course, a 3D platformer if you don't know what that is. Um, so, I don't know. I never played Battle for Bikini Bottom, even though I know it's like a beloved game for us yeah, it's really good the internet so what kind of game is it because someone like explained a, someone was explaining to me and it was like it's open world almost like a simpsons hit and run or a grand theft auto style game but i don't know yeah, how true kind that of is. that's pretty much what it is yeah it's a, it's a platformer in an open world i would say it's kind okay. of open-ish world like open level open okay biome, can you like, can you like get in cars and drive around the city no spongebob can't drive do you not know the lore I mean, I, I know he. Well, I know he shouldn't drive, but he he drives. <laughs> SpongeBob cannot get a boating license. It I know would he be can't get irresponsible the for the can game. Can you drive? Can you drive with Mrs. Puff? Uh, I don't believe so. No. Also, what I was really asking is, can you only <laughs> play as SpongeBob or or, or like Pat, Patrick and them not playable characters? I don't believe they're playable characters. Last time I played, it was all SpongeBob. Okay, fair enough. All right, uh, that's that. Interesting to see them finally come on because do you remember a while back, right? They were talking about how they had like 60 games. And while I'm sure some of those just released and got announced in more traditional ways, when they did this, I was like, this could either be a ton of really interesting things. Like, of course, what you are talking about before, right? Setting your own expectations. I wasn't leaning too heavily on them, so I'm not mad or disappointed. But my hope for what was going to be shown at something like this was more like a new Darksiders, a new Kingdoms of Amalur, new anything that is a stronger interest than just realistically destroy all humans too. fine showing interesting showing showing games that i don't think have a lot of uh a lot of entries going on right now in a non more indie space so interesting as it is it's just where we are um now we get to something that saul's apparently excited about and that is that the taiwan digital game rating committee as well as plenty others at this point have leaked a rating or leaked basically by rating Castlevania Advanced Collection for consoles and PC. The name would imply that it's likely the three GBA era games in the series, which are Circle of the Moon, Harmony of Dissonance, and Aria of Sorrow, all grouped together in a single package. Uh, Aria of Sorrow is a great game. It's the only Game Boy Advanced one that I played. So that's, uh, I'll say this between Symphony of the Night, the other two, like, the top three Castlevania games for me is Aria Sorrow and Donna Sorrow. I love is Donna Sorrow the DS. Yes, one? and that was the one that had the coolest mechanic of like when you're fighting a boss, a rune would pop up on the touchscreen. You had to draw it to seal the boss away. It was so dope for something back that in that time era. And Harmony of Dissonance is really good. Circle of the Moon is okay. Uh, I think I've played that one. And if I do it, I don't remember. 
the main character, like I remember what he looks like. I don't remember anything about him. I know he's not Soma Cruz, and Soma Cruz is, of course, Arya Saro and Donna Saro. Um, yeah, but you yeah, know, I'm hoping this comes to Switch because these are perfect. It is like they're perfect. Then, or it was rated for Switch, so that's absolutely mean that perfect games for the Switch. Um, you know, the thing about that idea of the uh, Dawn of Sorrow is that it's a good example of when people say, say like, oh, that's a gimmick. Well, yeah, but gimmicks can be done well. Yeah, absolutely. Like, and I think that that like with the lore of the game, plus like what you had to do. And if you messed up, it was like the boss regained HP and you had to hurt the boss. Kill it again. again. Yeah. yeah, it was it was really well done. And I think I, I think that honestly, Silver Cruz is one of the best Castlevania characters. I know that that's a very big hot take in that that many people agree with that. I just like Soma Cruz. I like his design. I like the games he's in. Um, so yeah, I'm super excited for this. Well, this is unfortunate because I'm I'm trying I'm I'm struggling with how to make it happen because the hardest part with making DS games come forward is that a lot of DS games were designed with two screens in mind. Yeah, and it's really hard to put that down into a single screen experience that feels right. Would you be excited to see a DS game collection come to console so long as they could actually like switch you, you it would actually work right if they did it if Nintendo did it where it's like hey we want you to only on switch release Castlevania DS collection and then you had Dawn of Sorrow then they could do a thing where whenever the rune pops up they just basically either switch over to that screen for a second and you completely do the rune on the touch screen and then let it go uh, but you know doing that on console consoles would be really hard because how well, do you pull that off you, so how you, do you could, quickly switch over and then do it with a controller you could use um, touchpad okay, on PlayStation yeah I was going to say it'd be clunky but like I could imagine like the rune screen would pop up and it would kind of like slow the game behind it down where it's not 100% like stop, but it's slowed. So you still have like this kind of like, I got to do it fast kind of thing. And then you can use your touchpad on your PlayStation, the touchscreen on the switch. It could also be used for like a right analog stick to like yeah. trace it. Or of course your mouse, if you're on computer, I you think that would skate, work. Okay. I, I feel like the, uh, I, I don't think that the, idea of using the analog stick would work very well. <laughs> well. I think that would end up being a thing where it would need to be something else. I honestly don't think that um and it's been since, you know, that game came out like 2003 that I played it, but um I don't remember them being superly intricate. And I remember them being like it was like a start to finish line. So like I think an analog stick could work. Oh, if you almost like set it and then say all you're doing is dragging it up at an angle, down at an yeah, angle, like you have to like, over at an angle. Yeah, like you have to follow this line in this in this one continuous motion without messing up kind of thing. You could do it. Yeah, I wonder if they'd be willing to do that because of the fact that you'd have to re-engineer that part of the game. Like, to your memory, because I've never played that one, were there other mechanics that heavily relied on the on the second screen? The or map, was it primarily that one? Matt being on the bottom, I'm pretty sure. And well, I that's easy. That was, that's easy to fix. Yeah, I think yeah. that was it. I might be wrong, but it's been it's been forever since I played that game. The one downside of that game is that game is fairly short. Or either that, right. or I just I, I was I was on fire at that Castlevania compared to Symphony of the Night. <laughs> I mean, maybe so. Uh, I don't. I wonder how easy that game is versus Symphony of the Night. Uh, it's definitely not easy. It's definitely not easy. I will say from my memory. Um, yeah. I don't think it's obviously not as challenging as like Castlevania two, but it is, it is not easy. Um, yeah. So there's that. Okay. Well, that's cool. I'm, I'm excited to see that because some of those games, like I've heard really good things about harmony of dissonance. Harmony uh, of dissonance is good. Just never played it. And I'd be willing to replay Aria of sorrow. That's a great game. 
my biggest concern is how are they going to look coming up to modern TVs and whatnot? Because it's kind of like the talk between like the pixel remasters for Final Fantasy, where it's like, are you going to make big changes? Are you just going to stretch an image? Are you going to do like the Mega Man collection did where you actually cut my screen size down to just a square and then put a top and bottom border on it and basically only have me using half of my, you know, 50% of my usable screen ratio to make it not stretch too far. I wonder what their solution is there. Yeah. But we'll see. Yeah. Hard to say, but I, I, I'm not a big fan of borders. I don't want those like, uh, like how Mega Man did. Yeah. I, I'm, I don't really care for that much either. Yeah, and I also just I find I'm I maybe I'm weird. I would almost rather you just say we're just going to stretch the whole image as long as it's as long as it can resolve down to a fairly all right resolution. Yeah, just stretch the, the whole image out, you know. But who knows? We'll see. I guess uh, I haven't gotten around to playing any of the first. Um, what was that? The the collection that they had that had Rondo of Blood and whatnot in it. I never bought that one, um, but that's okay. I mean, the games what, what that were in it. I have one, two, and Rondo of Blood. I think Symphony did, of the Night might have been part of it. Oh, uh, I don't think so. If it is, I missed that. Or I, I you might be right. Let's see, Castlevania Collection, uh, Castlevania Annu- uh, Anniversary Collection is what it was called. Um, and let's see what games it says it has in it. It looks like it's got Castlevania, Castlevania Two, uh, Dra- Castlevania Three, Super Castlevania Four, Castlevania: The Adventure, Belmont's Revenge, Bloodlines, Kid Dracula, which had never been released over here apparently, and then History of Castlevania: Book of the Crescent Moon. What is so, what is the adventure? Oh, it's a Game Boy game. That makes sense. Well, you said <laughs> Castlevania Adventure. I automatically was like, "What in the world is that?" I, I, this huh. is the first I've ever heard of this game. Yeah, so I guess they didn't have one. Adventure. Well, I didn't see Rondo of Blood in there either, though. Yeah, I, I guess. I, I, I but they introduced Belmont, so who knows? I assume Rondo of Blood would be in it. But then again, they're probably saving their two, two like the big hitters for... Their own collection? Yeah, or their own It's release. probably going to be Rondo of Blood and Symphony of the Night in a single collection. <laughs> That'd be kind of cool, actually. Um, okay, anyway, or that's that. Lords Next of, thing up. What is it? Lords of, what is it? Lords of Shor- Sorrow? Lords of Shadow? What was the oh, 3D? Yeah, yeah the 3D the, one. Was the PS3 awful. one. Yeah, awful game. Well, okay. The, the first one, I, I didn't play, but I remember people talking really uh, fondly about it. What? And then they did. Yeah, Lords of Shadow 2 is the one that got crap. The sequel. I didn't like either one. I, I didn't play the second one. I played the first one. I thought it was I, garbage. I knew a lot of people that really loved that game um, no. at the time. I worked at GameStop whenever they were talking about that, and then I left right around the time that the sequel came out. Uh, interestingly enough, you know the developer behind that is the developer behind Metroid Dread. That is so. interesting. I guess it all comes full circle. Yeah, <laughs> they did. Uh, they did the Metroid Two: Samus Returns uh, remake for the 3DS as well. So, who knows? I think they also did the uh, three the 3DS Castlevania games um mirror of fate or whatever i don't think they, i've never played those neither have i i, did, I, they did. I, I don't know how well they held up they, i think they ended up releasing them on big console as like a hd version or something but i never played it um so anyway next thing up gran turismo 7's trailer have uh trailers have all shown ray traced reflections in action but while many games early in this gen have already impressed with ray tracing like spider-man and uh really a lot of insomniac games because it's insomniac <laughs> but there's been a handful of games that have shown off it working well surprisingly um 
and it looks like that's not going to be the case here. GC7 will only support ray tracing in certain places, namely during replays and while in the garage. In the same interview that came uh, that this came to light in, it was confirmed that the game features dynamic time and weather systems, unlike sport, which is good to see. Um, unfortunate, but at the same time, you know, people early days, including Saul, were like, I don't know how much I buy into ray tracing being a viable thing on console yep. at, this per- at this certain stage. And it's been interesting because Insomniac have been killing it. Like, dude, Spider-Man Miles Morales looks excellent in the uh, in the <laughs> performance ray tracing mode where it's 60 frames per second with ray tracing. It looks really good. And Ratchet and Clank, same thing. So... It's a little disappointing not to see it here. I'm assuming they're just really prioritizing having a very stable 60 frames per second. So that's better. I would prefer that than having a 30 second with ray tracing thing. I would. But at the same time, at the same time, I do feel like options should exist. You know, I think the real thing that's so great about the Insomniac games is that all uh, each of those games have three versions. Do you want full on visual clarity with everything pumped to the max with a solid 30 frames per second and ray tracing? Do you want full on 60 with a higher resolution starting point and still solid? Or do you want to do a slightly lower resolution 60 frames per second with ray tracing? It's cool to give players options. And I was hoping that that was something we'd see more like Deathloop has that in Deathloop. There's visual and then there's performance and, uh, performance plus or something only one has ray tracing but at least you have that kind of fine tunage where where do you want it to you know end up and land and you still can't turn off motion blur and you still can't turn off motion blur much to saul's chagrin i literally was i I was telling chris like i was so close to buying tales of arise this weekend and i was looking at death loop too i just kept thinking you know if this game didn't have motion blur i would probably have bought it this weekend just for something to play (laughs) motion blur i don't I don't know, but does Dishonored 2 allow you to turn motion blur off? I hope so. Dude, they most games don't. Hold up. Hold up. <laughs> We're going to do this. We're going to it's a it's a game theory. We're going to test this right now. I have it installed on my Xbox. This is the cool thing about doing this so from home. Can answer this, <laughs> we can answer this question right now. My lighting's going to change. It's fine. All right. So let us regale you as Saul goes through the process of figuring out if he can turn motion blur off in Dishonored 2 <laughs> on, on the consoles. Maybe you can on PC. Uh, but you know what's funny is I don't think you can turn motion blur off on PC Deathloop either. So I don't think it's necessarily uh, which system are you playing on thing so much. Chris, are you a big hater of, uh, of the motion blur or do you care much? Uh, only if I notice it. See, that's kind of my answer. There are games that I've been like, that's too much. You're doing yeah. something weird here. Um, I will I'm, I'm a big fan in 60 frames. There's no way. I'm a big fan uh-huh. of the way that like, okay, did did you like mo- did you like the way that Demon Souls did it where it's per object where it's not I turned I didn't, I didn't even see it cuz I turned it off. Now when you had it on like at your at your um, It looked fine. Yeah, right? no, no it did not. That's that's how I knew immediately to turn it off. I disagree entirely. The way that game does it, where it's not the entire screen, because I'm look, I'm. It doesn't bother me, and I don't care. It doesn't stop me from playing games. But when it's entire screen motion blur, where you turn and the, everything that's in frame just blurs equally, I'm not a big fan of that. I mean, it's fine if you can't turn it off, but I like per object motion blur, where if you move a sword, only the sword blurs to a certain degree. 
and the rest of everything else stays clean because everything else wouldn't be affected. So the uh, the I'll say this right now: the menus for Dishonored Two are gorgeous, and no, there is no motion motion blur in the menus. So I'm trying to go immediately into the tutorial to see how this looks because I've never played this game before. Oh. Well, sad day for you, Saul. While you're doing that, I'm going to go ahead and hit up the next piece of news. Uh, PS5's next software update hit and brings with it some UI changes that give you extra control over the control center, as well as separating PS4 and PS5 versions of games into their own tiles and marking games with which system that they are for on that given tile. The ability for all users to expand their storage with M.2 Drive support came. The ability to choose between 720p and 1080p uh, streaming resolution for PS Now. Trophy tracking that allows you to post up to five trophies to the cards section in the control center. And finally, the ability to utilize the system's 3D Tempest audio with TV speakers, as was announced during the reveal with Mark Cerny, have all been added. There are some other features that are smaller that they've put in, like a new accolade and things like that. But those are your bigger overarching uh, things that are going on here. So to that end, I'm really glad to see a lot of this. I think that the PS5 UI, while pretty, has been pretty inefficient in comparison to the PS4s. So seeing this extra level of control and the UI changes were really nice. And also separating out everything so that in your collection you see games as ps4 ps5 versions separately as the individual tiles uh, i'm a big fan of pretty much everything done here and so far i'm actually impressed by the 3d tempest audio from tv speakers because i normally play that way and i noticed a big difference in um, death loop once i turned it on it's pretty cool you update your controller and then you go there and you set it and you have to ping your room for acoustics and you sit where you normally sit hold your controller up to your face and then it uses the microphone on the controller sends a noise from your TV and then gets your room's acoustics that way. And and when I was still playing, when a bullet got shot at me, it almost sounded like it whipped by my right ear. And I was like, whoa, that was crazy. <laughs> so I'm a big fan of the change so far, Chris. Uh, have you been looking forward to any of these changes? Yeah, vertical trophyless. Oh, yeah. I forget. That came with this, didn't it? It did. It's beautiful. Yeah. It looks so much better. Yeah, I'm, I've been <laughs> waiting for that as well. Yeah. Again, UI in terms of fo- uh, f- form, they had a very uniform thing, but I've not been a big fan of how looking at trophies goes on the PS5. No, I tend to do it on the app because it's still vertical. So now that this is like this, it's there. I wish uh, I did change some stuff on my control center, but then I kept accidentally going over to where it used to be. So it almost I almost shouldn't have even bothered changing it. I haven't done um, it yet, but I'm, I don't know what I want to do because there's like a safety in the power off being at the end, right? Because yeah. you can't, you can't accidentally hit the home, the, like the, the center button and then it hit X and accidentally try and turn your system off. Yeah. But at the same time, th- that's the problem, right? Relearning. We complained about how we were used to the PS4 where you, you held for the quick menu. Mm-hmm. and then just hit to go back to home and now it's reverse but i almost wonder if i got on a ps4 now even though i still clum like i'm still clumsy on the ps5 with it i wonder if i got <laughs> back on a ps4 if i'd have the reverse problem where now i'm trying to do it the ps5 way <laughs> probably it bums me out yeah it's it's a, it's a weird move on their part but um i haven't tried the 3d audio i'll probably set that up before i go to work today that sounds really cool but for me yeah, i was just yeah. very excited for the like you know list. Because I never got around to buying the Pulse headset because I just didn't yeah. really need it. Uh, and so in my mind, I was like, well, crap, what am I supposed to do here? I don't really have one that supports it. And I was hoping this would come. But my bigger thing was, while it's easy to control where sound's coming from on a headset, and of course, it's around your ear, so you can be like, send it to the right speaker, and they're going to sound like it comes from the right. 
I was really curious at how well they were going to be able to pull that off on a TV, and I'm surprised at the early setup of it. You know, I'm hoping it gets better as it continues going, but it's pretty cool. I agree. You have any plans with uh, with your limitations of storage to uh, upgrade your <laughs> your storage drive soon? Not for four hundred dollars, no. <laughs> Oof. No, but there's Where one that's becomes... like 159. That's two terabyte, I think. What? Not maybe, it may be one terabyte. Somebody was showing it the other day. I don't um, know if I would trust any any SSD that's one terabyte for that cheap. I've never heard of a one terabyte SSD that cheap. Let's find out. Yeah, because that's that is ridiculously cheap for an M.2. The speeds on that are either going to be dog trash or it's going to die within two days. Oh, by the way, the motion blur on this R2 is actually not bad because there's head bob. Is there head bob that's is it present head bob in Deathloop? Because I didn't notice it. Yeah, I mean it's it's there depending on what you got going on. Yeah. Okay. Because like depends dis- on if you're stealth or not. You know, I mean, Dishonor Two is not bad. Uh, I think Dishonor Two is a little more pronounced head bob. I don't think I'm going to play through Dishonor Remastered again. It's been a while. All right, let's see. Because there was one I was looking at the other day. I'm not really worried about it. I don't have that issue nearly as often, but I always see Chris's thing being like, it couldn't install. You're out of room. <laughs> and Chris Chris likes to have 80 games installed on his system at any point in time. Oh, I have way more than that installed on my system. I know bad. you do, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I saw somebody talking about that, and I was like, well, that's not too bad at all. So I'm going to go look and see what they are. Because like, here goes one. Like, Here's the Seagate Fire Cuda. It's a 500 gigabyte. That's that one's 129. So see, yeah, pricing on yeah. That. I was gonna say, see that 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 price makes sense. Here is uh, there's a WD Black SN 850 one terabyte with a heat sink. Uh, that's 269 dollars. That makes sense, but not 150 dollars. Yeah, yeah. And it actually says reasons to avoid pricey, like there might be a cheaper one, which I don't know about that. But <laughs> I also, I'm also not a massive fan of WD um, Black stuff. Yeah. So here's um let's see. The Fire Cuda two terabyte looks to be even more Wait, money. Or is it I can't remember now. Is it WD Black that has bad failure rates or is it WD what is it? I don't, I don't know. To be fair, I don't deal with computer stuff near as often as I used to. I'm a little out of touch. But that's okay. Either way, I don't plan on doing this until it's significantly cheaper. I agree. I don't even know if I'll do it about the whole gym. Uh, the whole gen, unless games get significantly yeah. bigger. If I can get so, like a one to two terabyte for like, if I can get a two terabyte for two hundred bucks, that's when you might see me do it. You know, then I'd be like, okay, it might be worth it. <laughs> yeah. Other than that, there's no, and there's so, no. You're not frothing at the mouth to like add on to your storage so that you no, can install more games, I, right? I really don't mind deleting games I'm not going to play to install games I'm not going to play. That's how I did with the PS Vita. Yeah, like that. Like it's. I'm never playing more than two games at once. I have good enough internet that if I want to download a game, it's going to be downloaded within two hours, depending on the game. Like even big games like Red Dead Two or like Destiny, it's going to take at most two hours. So I'm fortunate enough to just be able to d- delete games around. If I had that problem, the only time I've had that problem on the PS5 was when I was trying to play Modern Warfare. Oh yeah, dude. Because <laughs> that game took up half my half my system's memory, and I had that yeah. on there and Demon Souls, and Demon Souls takes up like sixty gigs or something crazy. Sixty gigs is not crazy in comparison to three hundred of no, Call of Duty, but it's one third <laughs> of the the hard drive at that point. Yeah, I mean you're not if wrong. I have Call of Duty. <laughs> yeah, 
the remaining room. Uh, yeah. Anyway, next next piece of news: Little Big Planet fans were struck as Sony announced a closure of Little Big Planet One through Three servers on PS3 and Little Big Planet Vita servers following a long series of hacks the servers have been facing, which resulted in them being down for a long while. Little Big Planet Three's PS4 server is back up and will remain up and carries forth all 10 million plus community levels from little big planet one through three. Sadly, Vita is not included on there just due to the difference of how they are. And that sucks because little big planet Vita is one of the best little big planet games. But, um, this is interesting. I think that this was kind of them finally being like, why are we fighting so hard for something that's older? And at this point we're fighting too much. Um, it hasn't quite happened the same way, but there was a similar situation going on with, uh, respawn and titanfall one if i'm not mistaken where somebody hacked in and kind of messed with the game and they've just been in this long back and forth of trying to keep the servers going the way that they should be uh i wonder if they gave up or if they will give up <laughs> at some point um but who knows apparently the whole point of it was to somebody to hack the thing and then lead them to a site to get people to sign a petition to make titanfall three if i remember correctly oh stupid so that's that's the life of the gaming world at this point. Speaking of people getting into things they shouldn't be in, <laughs> NVIDIA's GeForce <laughs> NVIDIA's GeForce Now database was supposedly opened up and reveals I shouldn't even say supposedly, it was opened up and reveals a number of titles that many think are leaks to games in the works. But while the list is definitely real, you can go and actually multiple people have confirmed it who have the knowledge of how to get in and do this. The actual games themselves are a little more complicated to figure out. They can range anywhere from games that are 100% real to games that were codenamed, games that have been canceled since then, or straight-up games that they just have on this list for testing purposes. Now, my assumption of what they mean by testing purposes is probably sending stuff out to people and being like, hey, would this game interest you in this service or whatever? Uh, But it's an interesting list of games. So while it's a little hard to do, this is what we're going to have to do. <laughs> and some of them make sense. Go ahead, Saul. What? I was going to say, top two games on here are just too good to be true. <laughs> right. So the list, as it is, is Chrono Cross Remaster, Final Fantasy Tactics Remaster, Final Fantasy IX Remake, which some people think may just be a reference to the remaster. I doubt it, but who knows? Kingdom Hearts 4. Hold on. Let me stop you right there. Go ahead. You saw how long it took to get Kingdom Hearts 3? Yeah. How would anybody even know there's coding that could exist for this title? There's or no four. way. There's no way Square's already getting this title revved up to have trailers and stuff. No way. I refuse to do it. I refuse to believe. Well, here's the thing. Nobody. There's no talk about when the timeline for any of this is, right? I, I know, but that's the thing is that why would this even be in a leak? Because uh, they, well, developers have been using GeForce for um, remote development. So a lot of these things are just dev kits i guess dev builds that they're passing around so they're probably working on kingdom hearts 4 and use geforce to put their push their packages to each other they're using games are yeah games are also developed with geforce now they're using a game streaming service for this that that doesn't sound like that's plausible at all but that is what they're doing that's why this is all here yeah that's that i think it's even i think somebody's even talked about why some of these things are on here um but more importantly at the same time the other thing is that geforce now still gets developed for a little differently than pc does because the geforce now versions and google stadia versions even though they're all running on pc actually of like cyberpunk all ran differently 
Mm-hmm. So they they are not like necessarily bespoke. Uh, they're not normal PC versions. They're almost bespoke. So developers would also be using this so that they can make sure they're fine tuning their game to work for that specific service if they're going to support it. See, I don't know. Like, go ahead and continue on the list, but 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 the top two, which have been some of the most requested remasters ever, and then that title, along like there's a couple more sequels in here, is just like this. Just seems like a dream list somebody's made up. I mean, don't wrong. I, I don't blame you, but this is a real list that 100% exists in GeForce Now server that has been confirmed as a list, but it's just a list. It doesn't mean every single one of these games is actually being made. It doesn't yeah. mean much that these can be a bunch of different things. And then there's, there's- that's what makes this so complicated. Is it's not it's not a leak of rumors this right. is a real this is like uh whenever sony got hacked whenever the time that was going on around the time of the interview or whatever when people got a bunch yep. of back-end information from their server this is exactly what's going on here it's just what information is tied to these titles is unclear yeah because like destroy all humans three being in there is very absolutely, likely considering yeah yeah that that makes sense but then you have and Mortal Kombat like see a lot of these just seem like like easy ones like hell divers 2 that doesn't seem like that exists at all but then Mortal Kombat 12 obviously is going to exist at one point in day and Justice 3 is obviously going to come out the Talos principle 2 is kind of interesting but yep. then it just seems like they're they're throwing out things that we know is happening like Resident Evil 4 and then throwing in things that are most likely going to happen Street Fighter 6 and you know call of duty um and mortal Kombat. that's what makes it so weird is it does look like something a fan would have thrown together but this is a list you can go actually it's it's been confirmed by a lot of people that this is actually what's in their server see that's been confirmed by a lot of people but are we 100 sure that this is a real list like this is it was confirmed by nvidia that it's a real list then yeah these titles are weird but that's why NVIDIA was also the ones that said they could be there for testing purposes. They right. didn't necessarily clarify yeah. what they mean by that, but there's a lot of things. So, yeah, it, it's a very hard thing to look at because, like, you're right. Chrono Cross Remastered, I could see Chrono Cross getting – oh, not, never mind. I'm thinking Chrono Trigger. Chrono Cross Remastered, yeah, that would be interesting. I would love to see that. Now, Final Fantasy Tactics remaster. I don't think that's as weird. If I think, mm. if anything, what we'd actually get would be a Final Fantasy War of the Lines remaster. Yeah. Because but, that's a remake. We've been Why would you not just use that as a decades. Point? Yeah, everybody's true. been asking for that. Everybody's been asking for you know like the uh, Chrono Cross. Even though it's not Chrono Trigger, it's Chrono Cross. Like the people want that for certain. I want that more than I want Chrono Trigger. I know. I'm Whoa, in the lesser, yeah. Uh, well, I think <laughs> the thing, the thing is, is we're clearly seeing a shift from Square Enix anyway, which I think did both of those where they're willing to do this stuff. Yeah, you know that's true. They we you were we were asking for decades for Final Fantasy VII, and here you go, your Telltale Final Fantasy VII just came out. And I think a lot of this stuff, even stuff like you mentioned, Helldivers 2 being a weird title, that to me is almost a title that lends credence to this because who the hell would think Hell Helldivers 2 is coming out except the fact that they might be making that game uh, and we don't know about it yet. See, or think, that uh, might have been old and have been on that server for a long time and it's just been something that the developers of Helldivers messed around with, had mm-hmm. it on there for testing purposes, and that might be what they mean by that, and now it's just been canceled. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think it's more than likely that one. It's more likely what Brett said because, I don't know, it's just that's weird. Just There's a lot of weird stuff in here. Yeah, well, I mean... You know, to looking at everything, right? There's a lot of Square Enix in this, which actually doesn't surprise me. Square it looks like their whole thing this generation is trying to 
turn around what people think of them. The fact that you're getting pixel remasters when Square already came out and remastered every Final Fantasy game with new sprite work and everything, the fact that they're even going out of their way to make the pixel remasters goes to show that they want to change some of the perceptions toward them as a company. And that's why I think to Chris's degree, I, I don't think that this is that weird. I actually think that some of these sound reasonable and final fantasy nine remake could re- could realistically just be a weird thing where at one point they were debating having to remake nine but then they were able to just go in and find the code off to remaster it that might be why it's even in there the way that it is you never yeah. know because for me there's only one game in here that i don't believe exists and that's titanfall 3 especially because respawn said they're not doing it they're making a star wars game they're making a vr game and they're making another project I don't believe they're they're making Titanfall three. They're just not doing it. We'll see Titanfall so, three confirmed, but then Demon Souls and Returnal at the bottom. Yeah, so we're gonna get into that in a second to a degree, right? But yeah, this is this is a. So I'm gonna go ahead and smack the list out for anybody who just wants to know it all. So yeah. of course we stopped on Kingdom Hearts four, Resident Evil four remake, Street Fighter six, Dragons Dogma two. Monster Hunter 6, Grand Theft Auto Remasters, which we now know are basically there. Uh, Bioshock 2022, Mirror's Edge Remastered. Untitled Respawn Game, Titanfall 3, Tekken 8, The Talos Principle 2, Crisis 4, Batman Arkham Knight Remastered, uh, XCOM 3, Injustice 3, Gods Will Fall, Destroy All Humans 3, Sniper Elite 5, City Skylines 2, Fight for Middle Earth, Mortal Kombat 12, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3 Remaster, which apparently was debunked by Activision, but it still may be there because they were testing with it. Uh, Helldivers 2. And then lastly on the list is some Sony published titles, which would indicate that that would mean these these games are looking at coming towards PC, which is not that crazy. God of War 2018, Horizon Forbidden West, Gran Turismo 7, Returnal, Demon Souls, Ratchet & Clank, Rift Apart, Sackboy, A Big Adventure, Ghost of, uh, Ghost of Tsushima. The Sony games aren't even that surprising because they've clearly already said they're looking to bring their games to PC. <laughs> so I mean, they bought Nexus, so uh, yeah, exactly. yeah. But Demon Souls and Returnal being just recent PS5 releases make this list even more shaky to me. Well, but but why? If all it is is that this is them going through looking at putting on PC, I don't think it's a timeline thing for Sony in terms of development timeline. I think that that comes into play a little bit, but I think more for Sony, it's how do we ride this fine line between keeping games as PlayStation exclusives for long enough for P- for fans to not be upset that they bought a PS5 just for the games to come to PC at, like you know 3 months later versus still catching them in the limelight of them doing well and getting more money out of them. Well see here's the thing though Sony of all people who are the most mm-hmm. protective over their IPs in, in in going into even certain circumstances of like Skyrim not being able to have third party images for mods they're going to put these lists of games that 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 they're potentially working on openly without using code names of any kind into software that they are not the owners of. I don't believe it. I refuse to believe Sony, the biggest stickler of and the biggest worry of hacks and leaks are going to put these titles into software that they're even remotely working on or they're putting in there for future references or anything and they're used not using code names. I refuse to believe it. That's that's the weird part. Also, is this the same list that had Bioshock 2022 on it? Because that's another yeah. thing. How is that a thing? Like, I, I get that. Like, obviously, this could have been in there since 2019. And that, that was their scheduled area for that. But I don't know. This list, to me, 
in terms of what it is, I think is just, I would laugh so hard if this was like a GeForce developer who just made like a wish list and put it in there and like it got leaked. And this is people thinking this is stuff that's actually being worked on. Well, I can tell you, I don't know why that would happen, and then Nvidia come out and say the leak is real. But yeah. I can't find, I can't, I can't title. find. I, mean, that. I don't. Where do you? I mean, they, they, they asked I'll send that to you if you want. It. Yeah, like I, I can't see. Like I'm looking at the Verge. I see Nvidia, Nvidia responds following G not Force not leak, but they don't say anywhere where they confirm that it's real. At I least mean, the, the leak comes from them. That's what we're saying. So the they leak said, is in their database and used for, like they it say, says, specker prep yeah, stuff. It says the list includes, quote, speculative titles. But there's stuff, so, like even you brought up Bioshock. We've known Bioshock is happening. To the they've already there's, confirmed. There's rumors that Sony bought it as an exclusive PS5 See, I've, I've heard so. those rumors, but I haven't. I've never seen a rumor or heard of rumors. And if I did, I wouldn't believe that that's in development until I see it. Because that's another one of those. Oh, like, well, but then that's that's Jason Schreier leaked entirely. Yeah, Jason Schreier, who has a good leak list, regardless of how you feel about him, he leaked that 2K has a team working on a new Bioshock that has been known for. Two I mean, they, years at this they point. said it when Ken Levine left that they were going to continue Bioshock. You know, that's the thing is none of these titles. I don't. The only title, like I said, the only one I really, the only two I don't believe are Mirror's Edge remastered because nobody cares about Mirror's Edge and Titanfall Three. False, like, but yeah, I don't. No, wrong. I, I care about Mirror's Edge, Edge but I don't. That nobody cares, so I don't know. Yes, but <laughs> I, I am agreeing with you on premise of I don't agree that it's it needs to be there. I just disagree with you that I care about it. But yeah, uh, also Mirror's Edge Two is a great game. Yeah, you know, Mirror's I don't. Edge one was I don't know. But. I'm yeah. not trying to sit here and say all these games are work, being worked on because I don't believe it. But there's not a, I don't necessarily believe it. But there's not a title here that if it got announced tomorrow, I would be would, shocked. Would by. like, yeah, rock your world besides yeah. Titanfall three. Even Chrono Cross and Final Fantasy Tactics, like I said, like those. It's not like those are full remakes from what it looks like. So Square Enix is not above just putting their stuff out, especially when people want it. Well, you I know, think, they'll make it look nicer and it'll be on the stores. Well, and I think um, yeah, that that lends credence to anything. But even that, like any of these games, like I don't know. I think the weirdest enigma of this entire thing is the purpose of this list, right? And I and and not only just the purpose, but the listings themselves, because I don't know. It just seems everything on this list is weird. Because you, why? Well, okay. Let's take Batman Arkham Knight Remaster for example. Uh-huh. That game already kind of exists, right? I mean, it doesn't not in a PS5 remaster sense, right? But why yeah, would that be on a remastered? But, sense but why would a new Xbox Series X and PS5 remastered thing be part of GeForce now? Because it's also a PC game, the, the, like it's it's a third. It's not like we're talking about Sony remastering it. No, no, it's, I know that, but I'm saying e- like, Square Enix is gonna is, if they're gonna make it a PS5 and an Xbox version, they're gonna put it on PC too. Or if they don't make yeah. it a PS5 or Xbox version at all, and it's like a GeForce Now thing, it could be like it could be either or. Yeah, it could be. Yeah, but, it could be literally anything on this list. It could be PC only versions. It could be. I mean, most of them are like Crisis Four. Here's the thing: Why do you think? that the people at um i can't even think of the name of that developer right now but why do you think that the crisis developers Crytek. are going through yeah crytek why do you think crytek's going through remastering one through three right now 
if there's not some potential that they want to see what it does so they can look and see if Crisis 4 is a, is a potential. So that's why if almost every one of these games you can look. Tekken 8, right? Tekken 7 is like four or five years old at this point. It's right, right. around time for a new Tekken game to come. All right. Untitled Respawn game, that's already been known. They've said that. Right. So that, that makes sense. Mirror's Edge Remasters, that's one's odd, but who knows? Bioshock's, that one's, been that con- one's really Bioshock's basically been confirmed. Grand Theft Auto Remasters have been confirmed at this point. Monster Hunter 6... Who knows what they're calling that, but that's probably See, that, likely that's, considering that's that Monster Hunter World one. sold crazy well. That could have been course, Monster Hunter Rise. It could have been, but because Monster Hunter Rise is supposed to come to PC or did it already? It is. I, I think it. Yeah, I think it already. I know. Been. I know it's supposed to come, but yeah. Okay. Then you have Street Fighter Six. It's been years since Street Fighter Five. Makes sense. Totally. And even more sense if you think about it being that Sony's likely going to get Street Fighter Six as console exclusive, but let them release on PC the same as they did Street Fighter Five. This makes total sense. Yeah, Resident I, Evil Four remake we of course know about. Yeah, Kingdom Hearts Four, Tetsuya Nomura and Square have both said definitely since Kingdom Hearts Three sold better than any other Kingdom Hearts game ever has that they want to reiterate on this series quicker and that they already had a team working on on, on Kingdom Hearts the next Kingdom Hearts title. They've already any, said that, so this is not that I, weird. I, but that's the thing though is any time Tetsuya Nomura can say that all he wants. I don't believe a word of it because it's Tetsuya Nomura. Sure. But what I'm saying is if we're looking at whether or not that there's statements out there that support this list almost in its entirety. No, I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, is like this list here, like, and I know what this list is, or I, I know that like, you're not supposed to take this list with any grain of salt at all. Right. Like there's nothing on this list that it could be, you can make arguments just like you're doing, but I think, yeah. I think this list is nothing. I don't think this list is is anything could be. at all. Like, just how they said <sighs> that it, it's for testing and spec and for speculative purposes or per, uh, purposes. I don't think like here and here's what here's why this list could have these titles in here for any number of reasons. It could be for it could be for like what Chris said. They could be developing through GeForce Now remotely. It could be GeForce Now having a list of games that they are who knows that they're going to put in for support or they're looking in for support. They could put in games for like testing, but what gets me is just the bottom half of this list, having these Sony titles in here. I don't think that these Sony titles would have been in here unprotected. Like they were. I, I, I don't see why it's a big deal. Every one of these is games that we already know about. So having Sony be not, like, oh, someone it. found they're coming to PC after we bought Nixus, it'd be different if there was like a Sony published game that was a new game like uh, you, The Order 1887. Oh, well, Let's just use a crazy example. I'd be like, whoa, that's crazy. But you got to look at but, this. One of these games isn't even out yet, and that's yeah. going to hurt Sony massively. Two of, two of them are not. Well, technically, yeah, it's GT7. But that's going to hurt Sony massively for people who are waiting to hold out on PC. For that alone. I- I don't think it will, though. I, I mean, disagree. We know that all these games are coming. Sony's blatant about the fact that all their games are coming to PC now. So if someone's going to wait for PC, they were going to wait for PC they anyway. Can't, I don't think I, I wouldn't call them blatant about that because they're so slow at they, announcing what's coming. They, and even though they, they said, just bought a developer specifically to port all their games. Right. To PC, and and that's like, all Nixus does. And what was it like a year and a half ago? They said that there are more opening titles come to PC, but they've yet to prove it. So you can't go off of like as if I was a PC gamer and I was wanting a PlayStation five, right? I know judging off of what they said that they're wanting to put games on PC yet. We haven't seen them do that in a mass quantity or even in, you know, more than five games. But then we have horizon forbidden West on this leak here and GT seven. And that right there would tell me like, that's a 
a surefire thing could happen. So I'm just going to hold yeah. off. The fact yeah. that forbidden, the fact that Zero Dawn came to PC clearly tells me that in development right now, there's at least a small group of people who are working on a PC version of this game so that whenever Sony's internal timeline of when they want games to release for PC happens, that they're, that it's, they're ready to go. Be it a year, be it two years, probably one year, right? Because one well, year was a You well, wouldn't have to do all those mental gymnastics for this because Sony's already said before that their games will eventually come to PC. Exactly. This, all we're saying is when's, what's the timeline? So the fact that they're on this list is probably because these games are being concurrently developed with PC in mind already. And that's why they're already looking at using this GeForce Now stuff as part of that so that they can go through. Th- these could all be on there because of Nixus. I mean, Doubt let's not it. forget. Demon Souls was straight up already accidentally announced for PC. That's also true, yes. They announced it on day one. But Literally, they did the it by reveal accident. trailer said, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which, so, which was iffy. That, but none of this is surprising. That's what I mean. I, I think it'd be different if Sony were like, we're, ne- we're not putting our games on PC and that Horizon was just a one-off example. We didn't like it. The results weren't good enough, so we were going to keep our games here. Clearly, they're not saying that, so nothing about this is strange to me. Well, and that's nothing thing, about though. this makes this less believable. They wouldn't have which, to say that. There's no war, and here's the thing about this: it's not even about believability at this point. Regardless of what we say, the list is the list is the list. The list exists on their server for whatever reason. Or not the list. Okay, I shouldn't even say that. The list doesn't necessarily exist on their server. These are games that are referenced on their server, were, yeah. and someone compiled a list from that. The games that are on this list are on their server, or at least the, the 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 titles. But we don't know why. But but why? So regardless of whether or not it seems believable that Sony would do this, clearly they did. Otherwise, they wouldn't be on this list. But we don't know that. Don't know. We don't know if Sony is the one who put these games into the server, or if it was somebody on Nvidia's backend. Okay, but they had no authorization was- from Sony to do so. I just don't see that as being even remotely. I don't crazy. see why would Sony would put something into a server that's unprotected like this. Well, it's not that it's unprotected. It, obviously, I mean, it, it is the, because it's sitting the right protection here. Protection didn't hold or whatever yeah. it was. Yeah, but because and I think the only way. But to also, what you get out of it? It's just information. Specific dev, but I think this was a specific dev thing. So having access to this wasn't like a normal, at least from what I read. I don't know if it's true, but I feel like this was a part of the dev NVIDIA's thing that got leaked out. And if you knew how to like log in as a dev, you could get this information. Yeah. So, you know, that's probably a situation where their security well, has to be tighter. Is it? Is it like a, that, is it, do we know if it's a, like a dev by dev basis? Like if I'm a dev for God of War, am I only seeing God of War? You would assume so. Right, like yeah. Well, I mean, I would assume. I mean, I guess no, because one guy got all of this. So if that was the case, then he would have gotten right. just the Sony titles or just the Square Enix, right? So Sony had to be aware that that's how the, this system worked, because you have devs from God of War, Horizon, Demon Souls, Returnal. You have them logging into this server that can see these other games. So you would think that they're I, like, hey, you know what? Maybe we shouldn't put Returnal on here because that's that can sell PS fives as they advertise it. As, as much as they did when it came out, let's not put this in here so that maybe somebody who wants to buy a PS5 for Returnal has a reason to and not just play it on the PC they already own. That's what I'm saying. Is I don't know. Like, I, I, it's, I just think the... Sorry, you can continue. I was just saying, it's iffy. Like, this whole list is iffy. And the fact that, like, the only thing NVIDIA has said that it's confirmed that these titles are in here, but we don't know why they're in here. I don't think that this list is anything. Like, I think that this list is just... Or I don't think we'll ever know because it's a it's a title by title basis. You can't speak for the, this list as an entirety, right? Like you can only break, you can only say like this. You can only speculate as a title by title basis of what this. Yeah, list I don't is. know. I 
I guess for me, like I think Brett excluded the Xbox games that were leaked too, but right. all of those games, like even code names, were confirmed sure. by sure. leakers. So I just think, I don't know. I think, I think the thing is like Sony doesn't care if these games got leaked because the total amount of people who are going to know is not a lot. Like that's I think the thing is like because we know all this stuff and we're looking at a leak of Nvidia GeForce titles that we're 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 debating this but Sony doesn't care if let's say 1% of their audience finds out that Returnal is coming to PC and the Sony knows that if you were just on PC you're going to you're going to wait anyway so I don't I don't think you know Microsoft having project whatever it was being avowed in there makes sense to me because they don't want you to know avowed is coming which maybe some of these Square Enix should have done that too. But yeah. so to, to me, to the Chris's point, of, yeah, there's Project Holland, which is Fable, and yeah. Project Typhoon, which are Contra brand, which has been confirmed by people who are involved with those. Project Woodstock is Forza. Yeah. See, like, so, I don't know. like what you were saying, though, about like this being internal testing or like using GeForce now for like for development reasons, that makes that, that, that is. Per, that like that 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 covers all bases in my opinion on what this is. I don't think that this says anything more than that. Well, yeah, because I mean, if you look at it, you can use this for a lot of things. When you're built, when you're working on moving devs between or moving dev builds across multiple things, so people can play test certain things and being able to send that off to someone else. I am speculating here, but I would imagine that being able to use GeForce to basically post a dev build to a single location and then give access to a handful of people who can play it and look at what they're tr- what they're showcasing there is the ideal way to do that. And that makes sense as to why all these games would be in there, including Sony ones, because these games are being developed for PC regardless. And that's why I don't think across the board any of these really nothing on this list is too crazy. Because like one of the things I didn't include in the list, right, is the Bioshock. Um, Ray tracing remaster, which GeForce have basically confirmed they were going after. So that's probably realistic. We've even seen fans do it, something that would be a good sell and a good point of NVIDIA's hardware, which they want to sell, which has ray tracing acceleration. Well, so And what gets me though is like like what Chris said, Titanfall three. That that game is what I think a lot of people, including myself, want. But that we just we know we're not getting. Yeah, so but, but yeah, but the real question back. is why so Mirror's Edge is also a ray tracing remaster, so it's probably PC only. Right, and this goes back to like how long has these titles been in this list? Like this could have mm-hmm. been before they even th- this could have been a month after Titanfall 2 came out and they're working, you know, th- they're getting a baseline started for Titanfall 3 and they're not, like that's not even contained away from it. Yeah. Yeah. But like I see I see a ton of people talking about this list of like all these games and that's what's coming and stuff like that. I think that we need to slow down and like not think that at all about any of these games. Until it's uh, obviously, except for the exceptions of like Resident Evil 4, like games that have already been leaked. Yeah, Arkham Knight's also a ray tracing remastered. I guess in closing, I agree with you, but I also think every single one of these titles will be announced by 2023. See, I I, I won't agree with that. Except Titanfall. I think, well, see, that's that's the the thing is that like Titanfall, I don't think. Okay, Final Fantasy Tactics specifically for me. People have been asking for that since War of the Lions came out. I think that if we weren't getting triangle project triangle strategy, that would actually be more likely. But yeah, but this is a remake. It's or a remaster. It's not a remake. I think. No, I know that. But I'm saying like they're not poop gonna, it out. They'll be that could be the same thing, you know? Uh, yeah, but you have that other game that's very similar coming out, and I don't know if I could see both of these games being a thing at the same time, at least. 
I don't, I don't know. know. I guess you're right, but Final Fantasy or Square Enix did just release a pack of six Final Fantasy games at once. You know, I don't know that they're necessarily worried about their remasters cannibalizing each other. Well, that's the difference, though. Like, I see if this game was part of that, that would be way that lend way more credence. But it's not. And now, now that what they also could do is do like a Final Fantasy side game collection remaster where this is part of it, and I, I could see that. But yeah, like specifically Monster Hunter Six because we don't know what that leads to. Uh, Titanfall Three, Talos Principle Two is interesting because I know that's a game's somewhat of a cult classic. I don't know. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah I, and that's what I think is like I, I've heard so many people say that game's good, but I don't think did that game review well. Yeah. It's weird. It's like the I hear more people talking about that game than outlets when it came out, which is kind of the opposite of what you see nowadays. But yeah, like I think that this list just I wouldn't look at this list and guarantee anything for the people that are. Because oh, the yeah. first thing I saw, like, you know, yes or no is Friday, actually, I think. When did this list leak? Was it thir- Wednesday or Thursday? Like a week like a week and a half ago. Was it a week ago? When did okay, I guess I just started seeing it blow up over like news sites and like Reddit and stuff middle of last week or to the end of last week. And the second that like I started seeing headlines use Final Fantasy Tactics Remaster and then like Demon Souls coming to PC, which were also taking that as like a oh Bloodborne's gonna come to PC kind of approach. I thought you're going too far with it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but you can't control what other people are going to do with this information and extrapolate from there. Uh, I mean, like, because like no, right I'm now, saying, I'll say, I'm not this is a, this is a list. I'm not saying yeah, let, a grain of salt. this is a list. Let the let the list go. It's it's a list of titles that are for some reason on this thing for whatever reason. Much like Chris, my personal gut tells me that at least half of these games, if not more, are going to be announced by sometime next year and come out and that they're on this list because they're actually being worked on and not for some kind of weird, strange reason. So we'll come to see, but it's definitely an interesting look into things because some of it's things that you'd expect off of seeing what the industry has been doing. And some of them are a little more surprising and for whatever reason, seeing them on here, it does bring up a lot of feelings because a lot of these things are something people are very tied into. People love final fantasy tactics. So I get that the idea of a remaster when you've been asking for one forever and that pops up on a leak is for some people really exciting. And for, for some people like, I don't know, I don't want to believe it because I've been asking all these years and it's still not here. So it is what it is. It's an interesting leak. It's an interesting look into what gaming is apparently going toward. Most of these are safe bets, including the Sony titles and the clearly the Xbox titles that are on there. So to that degree, it'd be interesting to see how much of this comes out and is out and about by the end of next year. That's that's really more of what I'm looking at at this point. Yeah. So um, with that said, I think that it's time to close the or uh to uh go into the community stake real quick and then figure out how we want to close the show off yeah so for those that don't know the community stake last week is of course always now the main topic and we asked you how did you guys feel about the playstation showcase the highlights the no lights what was missing and what surprised you and um we got a couple of answers we'll start off with discord with the patreon user shafe dog our good buddy he says are you not regaled? <laughs> Which I thought was funny because the way Chris asked it. Uh, does it have quite the same ring to it? Anyway, I thought it was a great show. I was surprised right away with the Kotar announcement. I was expecting to catch an additional glimpse of Kina, maybe an update of Little Devil Inside since it was supposed to release already. Still have concerns about announcing titles too early, but all in all, a great show. 
which I think encapsulates most people's feelings, especially about the titles being shown too early. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to grab one off of Facebook real quick. Okay. So over there, we've got uh, Joey McPherson. He says, I thought it was pretty good. I mean, it was saved by the first party, and Insomniac is killing it. PlayStation got a steal buying them. I feel like we still have so many questions. We were told something big was happening with PS Now, and yet nothing. PlayStation has so many more teams, and they're all silent. In my opinion, the showcase should have been nothing but first party and news about PS Now and their answer to Game Pass and what their plan is, if there is one, for more backwards compatibility with PS1, PS2, and PS3. Um, you know, I, I don't necessarily share the sentiment that the first party has saved it. I think that the show was pretty good before the first party, and then the first party was just icing on the cake at that point for the most part. Um, and kind of some things we talked about, like Deathloop having to be there, and I think that that was the right move considering that Deathloop then, like a couple days later, showed to be reviewing very strongly and very likely will sell very strongly. So it is what it is. But, yeah, I definitely would have loved to see some kind of talk about backwards compatibility, but I almost feel like the way that backwards compatibility would be talked about would strive better in, like, a blog post if they're ever going to do that, you know? Yeah. It, it seems like the type of information that you expound on in a blog post where you can get a little more granular and be like, this is what will work, this is what won't work, this is how we're going to support the systems. That doesn't seem like something you put in the middle of a showcase that you want to have, like, a rhythm to it. I feel like it would end up dropping the rhythm. Even if it's exciting, the type of information it is seems better used elsewhere. Um, but yeah, PS Now remains to be a, a big mystery. You know, what is their answer to Game Pass? We talked about that last week. Uh, and maybe backwards compatibility has some kind of part of that, you know? Maybe their PS Now does get close enough to where outside of PS5 games, PS1 through PS4 games, first party or PS1 through PS3 at least, first party are all on PS Now playable. That would be interesting. I don't know. We'll see how that ends up going. Yeah. Um, see if we can grab one from Twitter. Yeah. Uh, well, actually, here, let me, while we're talking about first party stuff, um, Rude Days, a Patreon user uh, and a good buddy of ours over on Discord, I, I, I like to think of him a lot of times as Devil's Advocate. Um, he says, if you take out about 20 minutes of the middle of it, the start and the ending was some of the best of any showcase. And a reason why, as an Xbox fan, I also have to have a PlayStation 5. Only criticism I have is that it wasn't as bad as last year, but Sony seems to have trouble giving dates or other information during their show for some games. For example, GT7 got a date, but not during the showcase, and instead it got a blog afterwards. And we didn't even have a release window for G-O-W-R, which is God of War Ragnarok, but got a date for Spider-Man 2. Other than that, as I said, great showcase. So, so Chris, what, what do you think is up with the God of War Ragnarok not getting a date, but Spider-Man getting a 2023? Like, that was a very odd thing last week, but I wonder what's playing into that. Because is it Sony being hands-off enough for the developers to be like, we won't include a date on the trailer unless you want to? Do you think it might be that? <clears throat> um, I mean, I guess I should say that I was listening to Sacred Symbols, and they definitely mentioned it, so it's definitely coloring my thoughts, but... Corey Barlog was saying that this is probably a five-year game, right? I, I saw that in an interview where he said five this years. will probably take as long as the first one. Yeah, so five funny. years from 2018 is 2023, and I don't but, think they want to say it. <laughs> so what's weird about that, though, and that's that's why I find this fairly odd, is why show it off last year with a 2021 date if you feel like it's that far out? If it needs to be a five-year game, let it be a five-year game. Yeah. Why show it and why this thought that you were going to hit 2021? Because I, I don't. I think they thought they would hit 2021. That's probably why it's still a PS4 game. 
you know because that was always my thing right as i always said like this is ridiculous i i never believed god of war could be beyond 2022 because it would be ridiculous to have a 2023 ps4 game and i I would have to imagine they thought that too and then as they (laughs) built the game they were like oh crap (laughs) and now this horizon situation has put them in a thing too where they're either going to be bound to the PS4 version because they've already promised that it would be cross-gen. And now if they go back, people are going to be like, but you promised, which is exactly what happened with Horizon. And they had to go back and, and honor their promise. Yeah. But, you know, I, I'm, there's a lot of curiosities with God of War. Was it partially hit by the fact that they thought one thing and then COVID hit and it really messed with development? Was it that after they announced it and teased it, they thought, okay, we have an idea. And then suddenly, internally, it was like, well, do we really want to make three Norse games or can we change the scope of this game and make it a two-story Norse arc? Which that got and confirmed then did that, yeah. yeah, it did. Yeah, and it was... It was basically said during the thing. It was just odd wording. It was. Mm-hmm. Um, they, had to re- they had to confirm the wording. And, you know, to go back with Chris, though, is that Corey's saying that about it being a five-year game, but Corey's not the director on this game. And I wonder what that had to do with this game as well. Now, you mean why he's not the director? No, 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 no. I'm just saying in terms of time frame, Corey's saying that it could be yeah. a, that it being a five-year game. I wonder if the direction of this game is being sped up, of course, from the help of the other game existing on PS4. But it's also with, um, what's this guy's name? Eric? Oh, yeah, the, the new director. director. Yeah, Eric Williams. Don't quote me, but I think that might be right. That sounds close. Um, but I'm curious as to, like, you know, everything that he's done. And like what you just said, of course, is that, you know, with Horizon, that being a PlayStation 4 game as well, this game's clearly a PlayStation 4 game. Mm-hmm. I'm curious just to see how uh, you know how far out we get, and I, I'm Man. hoping 20. I'm hoping next year. Like, I, if not, I'm gonna be very sorely disappointed, just in the way that they're marketing things. Yeah. So I, he, go ahead. I would just be surprised if it's not 2023 at this point, because I don't see why you give a 2023 timeline like that in a pre-recorded thing, right? So it's not like he misspoke in a live show. Like that was a pre-recorded for the showcase thing so everyone knew what he was saying yeah so i think that's just their way of saying you might have to wait a little longer guys yeah and and i I think that you're right in the fact that their whole point here was just to be able to push it off and put it to 2022 clearly at least uh or you know i mean like it's clearly not 2021 regardless of what happens but you know the way that he actually said the remarks too about the um this being a because uh, it was asked why it wouldn't be a three game deal that's where that came from that remark about it being a, a similar time frame is that he didn't want to be working on the third title in this series to some degree and seeing the story drag off across a 12 to 15 year window um and that he thought it'd be nicer to give it a definitive end like he saw with lord of the rings those were his exact statement actually uh about how he wanted to put a bow on it in a reasonable time manner and kind of have a time period captured um but he said he goes uh, he goes it's you know god of war was a was a five-year game and the sequel's looking like uh you know uh, it's gonna be like a four-year or so similar time frame game so i could see you know 2022 a late 2022 game kind of the opposite of forbidden west which is going to be an early one i'm starting to think that maybe you could get like a a set maybe like an august through november release for god of war next year um which would be pushing pretty close to ps uh, to a ps to 2023 to your (laughs) to your point chris so 
The answer is probably somewhere in the middle, but if it does end up being a 2023 game at this point, it wouldn't surprise me. I also think that they, they've kind of dropped the ball here with the way that they've talked about the game because they've revealed a couple of things such as characters that are going to be in the game or gods that are going to be in the game that I should say. But not only that, they revealed that, you know, with this being a cap off, it seems like there's only a couple of ways that they could go with the story. Like if you got Tyr and you got Odin and then you got the spoiler from the end of the first game that I'm not going to say, and you got Thor, there's only like four directions this game can go or end, right? I don't know. Especially, <laughs> and here's the thing with Tyr, they show too much of him. And if you know what I mean, we said it last week of him still having his left hand, which tells me there's going to be another thing in the game, a wolf, for those that don't know. So it's like they've revealed too much of this game already, I feel like. Or not. Well, there's going to be wolves anyway, right? I mean, if this well, is Ragnarok okay, Finn, and they're even loosely following. Finn's a very then, specific wolf, Brad. Let's Rear. not play Come games on. here. Yes. You know, the blade <laughs> you get for beating Sephiroth in Kingdom Hearts 1, you get Fenrir. Mm hmm. Yeah. So Fenrir is what cuts off Tyr's hand or bites off his hand. So you got Fenrir, you got Tyr, you got Odin, you got Thor, and you got the spoiler from the first game. So obviously this game's going to be set up. I think, judging by what we know, it's pretty easy to predict what the climax is going to be and the order. You're not. You're not oh. thinking about the Kratos and, and Atreus of it all. Because what, what do you mean? That's, to, to no, 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 fair, that's the fifth the climax is in the title. <laughs> True. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the end of the end of the of the North World is clearly right. <laughs> what's yeah. happening but, here? But no, we, you mean my Kratos bread is like what I'm saying is the is the spoiler from the first game that I'm not specifically mentioning because somebody's gonna get mad if I say what that is because they haven't played it yet. In regards, I know to what you're it. talking about. Well, you I mentioned know. Thor, so I'm actually not sure which one you're talking about at this point. Um, here, I'm, I'm gonna type the, in the, the true. Yeah, yeah, because it's it's really the true the the true name of a person oh yeah okay okay oh well, yeah that's that works but that's the thing is that like it only like it could only go like three ways in my mind technically only two and i feel like no matter what now i know that this it, it's gonna have to go that way right like well i don't uh, agree because clearly they did not do any of that with the greek mythology either they didn't follow it to a t they use it as a loose thing to then play and make as their own because they're introducing characters that didn't really but that's not what well, i would argue they they were pretty true to Norse mythology. Yeah, but did Kratos exist in Norse mythology? No, no. That's my point. But, the, the, the basis of these games is that you're literally introducing new ideas that can change the way that these stories that you already know can happen. Well, okay. First off, without spoiling that part, we can't have the conversation that I want to have here. But I think if you've read the Norse mythology, it's following it almost to a T. But it's changing motifs. It is. I don't know. If I, I would agree with that. I would because that. Yeah. if we're talking about that spoiler, that spoiler is a cause of a certain death in Greek mythology that he is also the cause of in this in God of War 2018. It is following Greek it, Norse. I said Greek, but it is following Norse Norse, mythology yeah. to a T. But it is changing up small things. But even the small things they are changing connect back to the lore. In interesting ways. Yeah. Because yes. and that's, if you think about... Oh, go ahead, I'm sorry. If you think about Kratos and his role in the Nor in Norse mythology, and can we just block out five minutes of the show for a second so that I can actually say what I want to say? 
It's about for we Oilers. Have a time stamp. Hey, look, timestamp this. Yeah, I'm At writing this it point, down. We have a timestamp for spoiler alert, and we're gonna have. A, we're, we'll try and and see if we can keep this within a five. So if you're not playing forward five minutes, God of War 2018. Uh, Turn it off. Look now. at timestamps. Yeah, look at timestamps. Yeah. If not, this isn't spoil anything of God of War 2018, except uh, like I think that knowing this particular spoiler does not ruin the game. No, that game is the journey. Yeah, that's what makes that game. Good. Yeah, I, that's why I didn't even think of it as a spoiler. But OK, this is the start of my rant of rant, I guess. But God, think about this, right? Balder in the mythology is killed by a mistletoe arrow from Loki because Freya does not tell the mistletoe not to hurt Balder because mistletoe is too new and fresh and he does she doesn't believe that it would hurt him. Kratos is a new and fresh infusion into this world. His confrontation with Balder is entirely because of his child atreus right which right? is atreus loki right loki is the reason that i can't remember his name anymore but balder is killed when loki tricks his brother who is blind into killing him with a mistletoe arrow yep so all i'm saying is that the mythology uh, as they've changed it is completely cor- is completely it lines up in a very interesting way of changing. Well, and that's, right? and you could look at that as Kratos as a wolf, right? Being Fenrir. And he's going to be the one to, to de hand tier. I don't think, I, I, I just, I don't think, I don't so. think I don't that think that's so. the thing too, but like that's because, because of those connections in the first game, it won't be a surprise if he does. I don't think it's going to happen, but if Kratos is the one to cut tears hand off, I would not be surprised. Yeah, but there's yeah. you know there's a lot of things here, right? Because like at least it depends on where you're looking in, right? Too, because at the same time, Loki's part of the Acer, and in this mm-hmm. story, clearly that's not what's happening. At least as of yet, it looks like the whole point is that this also um, what Faye or whatever, yeah, Faye right, yeah. being or who uh, she yeah. is on all this. Yeah, Freya's the other person, <laughs> but Faye being the parent, the mother in this situation, you're you're changing some of the starting premise right it doesn't mean that they can't come back around and that's why i agree with chris i think changing motifs is the better way they're going to look at some of these same stories and what the ideas behind them were and they're going to basically change who's on what and use these motifs across different characters to be similar to what you expect and to be true to the mythology in its own interesting way but twist it from a perspective that you may not always see coming Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you want my interpretation of how this game ends, I guess spoilers, potential spoilers for God of War Ragnarok, it would be that Atreus gets captured and then, like you said, Kratos acting as Fenrir kills, uh, I don't know if he kills Loki, no, he doesn't kill Thor, but he kills Odin, and that's what I would imagine would happen. I would imagine during Ragnarok, everyone else dies how they're supposed to die, and then Kratos goes after the big dog and kills him. Does okay, hold on. It's been a really long time since I've looked up Norse mythology. Um, does Thor? I know he dies by a snake. He doesn't die by the world snake, does he? The world serpent. I think he might. I don't. He died. Exactly he dies by the venom of a snake. He, he gets poisoned. Yeah, but I don't remember if it's the world snake or not. I think it's Loki that poisons. Because I think him? they die together. No, see, I I thought it was a snake. No, I'm wrong. The snake 
is being held above Loki when he's trapped in the cave. Yeah, that's it. And his wife is holding the bowl over him to catch the venom as it drips in his face. So here, the one thing that's interesting is that we've not talked about Skull and Hattie at all. And they're going to be a big part of this Especially because Hattie. they're directly responsible for the end. Yeah, the, they, the beginning. They eventually, they, they finally, the if I'm remembering right, they finally eat the sun and moon, right? It's the whole point and of how the, the North world comes to an end and how Ragnarok hits. So where are they coming in on this? Because if I'm remembering right, the sun gets eaten and that's what causes Fimble Winter, right? Because there's no warmth. Um, n- no. Or does that happen toward the end? That happens toward I'm the end. I'm trying to remember what causes Fimble Winter because it's the whole point is it's that. It's not after the sun's no eaten, warmth. I don't think. Actually, I'm going to look that up because I'm like, I need to re, re get into this. But then again, I don't want to because then I'm going to explore. Well, I know that the whole idea of Skull and Hattie is that they're supposed to just chase the sun and moon until uh, in hopes of devouring. That's their whole thing. Well, it, we, we've been past the five minutes, and I think it we're kind of kind of figured it out. Yeah. Either way, I just think it's interesting. Keeping that in mind, I'm almost wondering if Skull and Hattie are not going to be wolves if they're going to be something different uh, in the way that this story presents them. I almost wonder if there's a weird way that they can play this through where Kratos and Atreus act as Skull and Hattie and for some reason are responsible for this. Definitely, since the post credit scene in God of War was almost like a fever dream. You know, it, it's, it wasn't us actually looking at the future. It was more of us seeing Kratos see a vision of mm-hmm. the future in a weird sense. Um, so to that degree, we'll see what happens. We will. Fimble winter is just, a, it's just a long winter that had yeah. no, that had no great cause. It's just a prelude to the events. Okay. So I couldn't Fair remember. Enough, I, Cause what you said sounded right up until up until the actual analogy or not the analogy. Well, yeah, I guess the analogy. No, it's not an analogy. What is it? Metaphor, I guess for what the story is telling. Yeah. Anyway, we'll we'll see what ends up happening. I'm curious to see it, but I mean, I like the way that they they followed, but also eschewed Greek mythology, and I seem it would seem to me that they're keen to do that again here. I'm just um, I'm just glad they got Thor right. Oh yeah, <laughs> visually, yeah, character design. So many people were like, I say so many, so many people on the internet. So probably a low number in general were just mm. so mad about that. <laughs> yeah, it's really dumb because it's 100 percent accurate. I just find it. Why would you care anyway? Do you, it's kind of like what we talked about. Are you telling me that there's no wiggle room? I can't make. Uh, you know, they okay. They made Thor fat in the actual MCU movie stuff that people are complain complaining about the fact that Thor doesn't look like Chris Hemsworth or whatever that guy's name is, and they made him exactly fat in the movie. Right. <laughs> well, yeah. see, and that's the thing too. Is like, Chris, would you consider mm. True Thor fat? Yeah, absolutely. I don't know if I'd call him fat, right? I would see, he's the big he's the big muscle man that's just a mass of I think he's you just, know, of hulking. Yeah, I think I, I would classify him more of like a strong man of like just Yeah, that's what big. he looks like. That's what the character art looks yeah, like. Yeah, but I'm not saying yeah. he, I wouldn't consider him fat. Yeah, he's just thick. He's thick boy. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. He's like he is like what is a perfect like like I say human body, but he's not human, but a perfect like physique of like muscle. Utilitarian. Yeah. yeah. That's what it is. It's a utilitarian body. It's not one for like being in front of a muscle show and being like, look how defined my very dehydrated muscles are. <laughs> I don't think I bought God of War digitally. I think that was before. It was before because we went to the midnight release. Now I want to replay God of oh. War 2018. 
Well, hey, Saul, it's part of the PS Plus collection. I know. That's I was like, I was like, I could be happy because I could download that. Um, All right, let's go grab some. Uh, let me grab some off Twitter. Of I have our buddy yeah. No Fate here. He says, "No mention of Naughty Dog's The Last of Us Two factions." Has this secretly been swept under the rug to shift more focus on the PS5 remakes slash remasters? Or is it being developed into something much bigger than originally anticipated? I would have expected it to be released by now. So my my $70 game. My <laughs> yeah. My thought process on this is that it is an outdated multiplayer and that they've swept it under the rug. Because as much as 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 good as factions was, I think that they know that like they could release it. And a lot of the hardcore fans of factions would return, but it would not commercially be a success at all um, unless it did something that followed the new multiplayer formula. And I don't foresee it doing. I think it could. I think it. I, I, I think in many ways it could, with the still factions hit of being a little more grueling. In a lot of ways, I think that. I think a lot of the things that made factions fun and interesting actually are what ended up making the the more modern. battle royale style games or whatever interesting go on right? you are you know? talking about just the weapon the way you get weapons and stuff or? well squatting up right to a degree if you think about what factions was it was 4v4 yeah uh and the, the whole thing is about being grouped together scrounging for materials and looking for ways to build yourself up so that by the time that the game comes to an end you're staying with each other making sure that everybody reses each other and keeps everybody six and pushes that forward now i'm not going to say it's the only game to have ever done that before then but i think a lot of what made factions work is still present in modern day stuff when people are playing uh well that was because it was present quads on on call of duty right when people are playing quads on call of duty that's a lot of the gameplay loop let's get together let's scavenge out let's build up our arsenal so at the end of the game we can come together all you got to do is give that the 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 last of us twist of being a little more brutal and a little more grueling and a little more survival oriented, which it already is pretty survival oriented in games like call of duty, um, uh, whatever it's called Warzone. So I think that you could definitely do that. And if you look at their map design for some of the bigger areas in the last of us too, I think you could make interesting multiplayer maps, um, as well out of that. So I think it'd be totally viable in today's see for me, play. for me, it's, the, these games existed before factions did, right? Like SOCOM did this and Ghost Recon did this. Sure. Yeah. And now, like how, how the multiplayer but, meta, I should say, is, yeah. is the thing, is that if it's not Battle Royale, it's it's a team deathmatch, weird kind of conglomerate that's going on. And even yeah. then, Battle Royale is thriving. You had games like The Division that tried to cut through. And I think that The Division, honestly, is the coolest idea of a multiplayer um, PvP slash PvE kind of interaction that there ever was. I think that the division had something really golden there that if they just approved upon, could have become in its own class. Now, do you mean like the dark yes. zone? Yes, I think that like that or whatever it was. Yeah, called. the dark zone. I, I think that that it, that you know PvE slash PvE that there with the way it was survival mixed in with you got to go grab your loot mixed in with you got to get out with your loot. Meanwhile, there's other players that could or could not be friendly. That's typically what, like what games like um, Tarkov is. Tarkov is about the same thing. You have a loot that lasts you throughout the entire game. If you go in with all your loot and you get killed, it's gone forever. But then yeah. you can save some of it, and you can extract out, and then you're good to go. That game could have improved really well. I don't see what The Last of Us Factions could do. That would make it because it's already we already know it's standalone, so we don't know what the price of it's going to be. I would guess forty or thirty. 
Um, I would, I would honestly imagine it'd be free to play and it would be Sony's entrance. Into, I would hope I mean, it doesn't so. have to be, it'd be, it wouldn't have to be, but in, in some ways, right. Sony has talked about how they want to be a little bit more in the limelight of multiplayer. Yeah. And I think that this would be a real opportunity for them to do so. You know what? I really think the chokehold is here and what might've actually prompted them to stop, even though I don't think that they've stopped. I think this is still coming. Um, I, I think COVID and a bunch of studios that were supposed to be supporting that no longer are, have caused them to slow down and develop. I don't think, but I think the real answer, to them not wanting to do this style of The Last of Us bigger multiplayer game is that when you do them to that degree, it would end up taking a sizable chunk of Naughty Dog or another studio to upkeep this and be like what Call of Duty does where there's evergreen developers constantly rotating through. And I don't know that Sony wants to commit to that, even though they want to be part of this multiplayer zeitgeist. So to that degree... I think that Sony's in a rock and a hard place because they don't want to have to take one of their premier developers and leave a sizable chunk of them on a multiplayer game. So, um, go ahead, Chris. I got to be honest. I think you both are insane. This is a seven. <laughs> this is a seventy dollars title, and it's going to be a flagship multi multiplayer oh, dude, title. For, it, for, it could one hundred percent be seventy dollars, but no, it could I, also I, be free to play and be microtransactions. It now, could be, but, on, Chris, but yeah. Clarification: Is that what you're saying? You want it to be, or is that what you're saying? You should. It should be, or are you saying that's what they're that's going what to do? I'm saying that's what I think they're going okay. to do. Yeah, this is going to be a gigantic. No. <laughs> it will, yes, absolutely. It are you kidding? This is Naughty flat. Dog. It will. There's no. It might fall flat, but they're not sweeping it under the rug. This is going to be a huge thing for them. I don't know how you could look at who is making this game and think it's not going okay. to be their attempt at a massive. Here, thing. here's why. Because this is not a dog. This isn't like loved factions. Loot blocks. Factions was it is still one of the most premier. I actually, I'll say, I'll be bold. I think factions. If you're if if we're taking standalone titles that have never had like multiplayer universes, so games like Division, I'll say that because it's not Call of Duty, just standalone titles that are that are very niche. Again, Among yeah. Division and Last of Us Two, those are the best multiplayer modes to ever exist outside of the realm of normal multiplayer games. With that being said. I do not think that this game could launch and be a success in today's multiplayer environment. I think what's going to happen is it's going to be hyped up like uh, Destruction All-Stars. It's going to last longer than Destruction All-Stars, but it's not going to last a year. And by the time... This is Naughty Dog, though. That does not matter when it comes to... Yes, it does. No, no, no. no here's why. <laughs> here's why. Because the people who would be interested in playing this that would give it the numbers that it would need to survive among other multiplayer games. This is all that I'm referencing, by the way, compared to other multiplayer games are the same numbers of people who are going to care about multiplayer PVP, which are also the same people that play Fortnite, Apex, Call of Duty, Battlefield. And we have Battlefield coming out this year. We have Call of Duty coming out this year, albeit a, me a mediocre one. We have Apex being stronger than ever. We have Fortnite being stronger than ever for those fans. There's too much in a multiplayer space for this game to come out and thrive. It's going to do like any other multiplayer game. It's going to come out and it's going to be successful for six months to a year. But then when they see that the season pass can't keep up with other games, when they see that the game clip, the gameplay gets stale because Naughty Dog is not a games as a service developer, and they're they're not going to be able to get their feet wet as well as other developers can. Like even Destiny, who is a games as a service developer, got their feet wet with game season pass and stuff like that, and it wasn't great at all when it first started. Now it's a lot better. 
But even then, Donnie Dog is not a games as a service developer. So they are not going to be able to hold this game as well as people would want them to. Not that it will, but as what, as what they as what expectations people will have. And I think that alone will kill it. I think that this game would last one year max. Be- All right, Chris, you clearly got some heat. <laughs> Throw it out. I, I think that's the most too, insane take I've ever heard in my life. We're talking about Naughty Dog. A single, We're not talking a, a, about a famous single player developer. With the best single player developer in the industry. Single player. That is not that. Is, but we are not talking about the guys who made Destruction All-Stars or some random game. We are talking about Sony's arguably best studio. Yeah. Not even arguably. They are the best Probably, technical yeah, studio top three. In, the, in, the, in their marketplace and in their industry. Yeah. Who is you named... Escape from Tarkov, which is the exact this that is the exact game that they would probably try and emulate for fact. Yeah, they absolutely. You mentioned Battle Royale; they can do that too. I don't think they are, they could, but they could. Why? That was wasn't that leaked? It that was that was a it thing? was leaked that that was like one of the game modes, but or not game modes, but that was right. leaked that that was the game mode, if I remember correctly. That it was, but it was taken out of the game, which is what people speculate. You know, that's why I didn't launch with it. I don't know, man. Like, I see where you're coming from, but I want it to be good. You know, this get is me wrong. Naughty Dog and Sony. I loved factions, but not not to mention no. every Sony pony is going to buy this game. Oh, absolutely. Okay, so hey, look, I, so it on, doesn't even need, let me let, there's a, let me hit you there real quick. Go ahead. Let me hit you there. Go ahead. Sony ponies, as much as I hate that phrase, but the people who are most like Sony could do no wrong. Sony could do this, this, and this. They're the first ones to lose interest in a Sony first party game in terms of longevity than anybody else. The people like, like, okay, for example, Demon Souls, right? People love to brag about Demon Souls. How many of those yeah. people who love to brag about Demon Souls in terms of the Sony Pony realm have continued playing it year after release? None. Well, but Demon Souls is a hardcore title. This is a multiplayer. Even title. then. I could see games I, like Days Gone, The Last of Us, especially two, Horizon. These games succeed themselves because of stuff like photo mode, the replayability they offer, all kinds of stuff that keep these people interacted on. Like you see people who's, who don't even play Days Gone anymore to play the game. They play it to get the best photo mode photos. Like, and that's that's revolutionary, right? Like you, nobody's done that before in a game. Nobody's ever booted up a game with the mindset of I'm going to go do digital photography until games like this. So like, that's the thing. But when it comes to the multiplayer aspect, I'm sorry, but the, the biggest numbers for multiplayer games are casual people. They come from call of duty circles. They come from Madden circles, Fortnite. They play these games on their tablets. They don't, they don't care about the last of us universe. Therefore, the only people that do those numbers are not going to be nowhere near the multiplayer numbers that they want. And they're yeah, but you're also you're also talking about it's not. I also don't think it's going to be a free to play game. So it does. They don't need those numbers. But the thing, but the problem is, is that it's going to be hard to tout a seventy dollar games as a service if they don't upkeep it for longer than a year. And don't get me wrong. That's why I give it a year because I think, and I, I'm telling you, I will be the first one to buy this game at $70 because I love factions, but I don't think Naughty Dog themselves have the resources in terms of just manpower to upkeep a multiplayer game for two years at a time or even longer without having to go on to another game or another DLC. 
I think that that will be incredibly hard for them to do just with the resources that go into a multiplayer game, the balancing, the map creation, the, the season pass content alone to make sure that it's not even underpowered or overpowered for what the season pass is. Yeah, you, which goes back to what I was talking about of why I don't think Sony wants to do that to that degree. Like they may put a game out and let it be a seventy dollar, uh, you know, uh, a, 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 I don't want to say this in a derogatory sense, but a a, a, a dot on the timeline. You know, yeah. like you look back and you think, oh, twenty twenty two, I played the hell out of the Last of Us factions for seven months and that's what i thought was the original factions to game. chris's degree right if you're not having to be dead honest if you get just as many people to come in and play it buying it at 70 dollars you've made every ounce of money you need and sony doesn't even care if it stays lasting at that point exactly because and that's all i'm if saying you get, that's, let me just yeah, if, you get, if you get four million people to come in and play a 70 dollars multiplayer title that you've been working on and then it does really well and you find that people want to keep playing it and you can just keep supporting it so you, you get the best of both worlds either way but I will say I do agree with your natural thing, Saul, that you're, you're correct. The real thing here is that there's so much competing for your multiplayer time, and there's so many casual people who have already found their game. The one thing I agree with Chris on, though, is that this will be the game that people who are like me, right, who don't normally play those types of games, I would end up playing this for way longer than I would play a normal multiplayer game like that. Because I did the same thing when Last of Us first came out the first time around. I didn't play a lot of multiplayer, but I was on factions for about six months. And that's the thing. I was too. But that's all I'm saying is that this game will not be able to stand the test of time. I'm not saying it's not going to be successful. I'm not saying that it won't be around for six months to a year. That's why I gave it a year. But I'm saying that there's no way there's enough naughty dog manpower to be able to upkeep this game longer than that. They're going to move on to bigger projects. There's still that sci-fi game that's been rumored they've been making for a decade now. And you got Uncharted spinoffs with like Drake's daughter. You got Last of Us 2 universes they could explore. They have unannounced projects I'm sure they're working on. But don't get me wrong. I will buy this game day one at $70 because I loved Factions. I don't think that it could compete in the multiplayer market. On top of that, too, if it's it's a multiplayer, if it's a PS5 exclusive, which it's not going to be, but you're going to have way more people on PS4 than PS5 because of the just the hardness of PS5s to get. But then at this point, it would have to be a cross. Well, and that's the thing too. How well is Naughty Dog going to be able to do their multiplayer cross gen? Are they going to be able to do PS4 to PS5 multiplayer seamless? Because they're not. Once again, they're not a multiplayer dev. Can they do? There's so many factors that factor in that I I think that they will be able to do greatly like they did with factions but i just don't think it can stand the test of time like i would want it to i want a tarkov like experience on ps5 i want something like that i wanted i want a multiplayer game that is nitty-gritty that is rewarding and that i could play with friends and in which we have a team base i've said this for years now you can ask brett where i i want a game where me and me and buddies can work together and have team-based objectives, team-based roles, and it'd be worth it by the end of it, and all is coming out whether we have good loot or not, but a reason to play. I have not found anything like that on a console like I want to. And factions would be the closest thing to do that. But I just don't think I just don't think it's going to be. And I think that it got swept under the rug because Sony knows what I hate this phrase, Sony ponies want the most. First party, cinematic, third person action adventure games. And therefore, that's going to be the games they're going to develop first. They know that if they launch this game at 70 bucks, and the millions of people that buy that game, are, that's going to fund their next project for the most part. 
but they know that it's not going to last from the release date to a year in. Okay, so Saul, let me let me say something. Because I think there's a couple things. I agree with a lot of what you're saying, but some of these things I think are interesting. Because like you're implying that Sony would go in through sleeping under the rug, regardless of what Naughty Dog wanted to do. Uh, be- and that would imply that Sony are known for having a very heavy thumb on their developers telling them what to do. And pretty much all accounts of working at Sony, everyone says that Sony's very off hands with you unless you do what you want. And that's how you get games like Days Gone, which while they didn't want to make a second one, they, you know, it's more like, hey, we're going to let you build up your, and it, you know, I'm upset about that too, but they said we're going to let you build up your um, your pitch for a second game and we'll prove or deny based off of that. So I don't think that that's really what would be going on. I'm pretty sure if Naughty Dog said we want to do this multiplayer game, Sony would in no way, shape, or form say no. I don't think. I just don't see that happening. I don't think. Let me and, clarify real quick. By swept on the rug, I don't think that they're being told no. I'm, I'm, I think they're being told this is not a priority right now. Therefore, it's being swept under the rug for something else currently. And we already know that they're working that, on something else. It's the whole big Unless thing. Sony's had a big change, I don't think that's what's happened in that regard. And if you remember a lot of the reports throughout the year, right? It was that it was a piece of Naughty Dog as well as support from like the uh, visual art studio that Sony has Mm -hmm. uh, and as well as people from Ben who were coming in and acting as support people. So I think what the idea was, was to have people do it that way. And then that got kind of shaken up. And because Sony doesn't want their people working on things they don't want, when Ben asked to be taken off of these things, they were taken off. So I think some things have put some cogs in the wheel, you know, but I think what's ended up really happening is, that they're going to still let this stuff go on and they're just trying to find the best way to support it. And even if it's what Chris talked about, a $70 release, it's a flash in the pan, a six month flash in the pan of $70 at a time in a time period where everyone's singing Sony's praises about this one game and getting people who are like me, even if it's just four to 6 million of us, whatever it be to play these types of games that we don't normally play. That's a win in Sony's book. And regardless, it ends up working out in their favor. And the only other option, regardless of what happens, this game is successful. I, I'm not I, saying, don't, I don't believe for a second. I, I'm not saying that no, you're saying otherwise, but regardless of what happens, this game is successful. The question that's whether it can be successful over a multi-year period um, is definitely in question, but I don't think Sony cares about that point. No, and I'm not saying they do, that's, but I, and I'm not saying... Or, or Naughty Dog yeah. even, right? I mean, if Naughty Dog feel like they made a really great multiplayer game that everyone loves for six months and then everybody moves on because they've had that experience, I don't see how anybody in any point of this would consider that a loss. Not saying that you're implying right. they are, but more just... Across the board, I think everyone involved in that in that would be happy. So I played the original Last of Us about trying to think here. The Last of Us came out in June. Is that right? Yep. I played it that winter. July. July. So I played it I like think. two months later. This is when I got my PlayStation 3. Um, that game playing coming out was the main catalyst of me trading in my 360. Um, after watching, if you made me play the opening at your old house. I don't know if you remember that or not. Um, I do. But from. The time I could play factions, I want to say it was maybe seven months until it started to get to the point of like, I can't remember if it was matchmaking was taking too long or if I was just getting the same people. I want to say I was getting the same people, but that's the thing. It's like, I'm not saying this is going to be unsuccessful at all. I well, I know 100% sure it will be successful. I just think that they are focusing on other projects now because they know that that is that that game is typically not in their audience's main demographic but i want that game 
I just know that yeah. when that game comes out, it will be a very temporary multiplayer game, as like most older multiplayer games were um, before, you know, season passes. <laughs> So I can tell, I'm going to let Chris, yeah, I say, I let Chris say something real quick and we're going to wrap this up. But I'll tell you, my final thoughts on this are that for for as often as you keep saying, and I get that they're not a more modern multiplayer dev, so maybe there's some credence to that. Um, but of all of Sony's first party studios, Naughty Dog have been among the most successful in having PS3 multiplayer exclusive titles that were successful. Absolutely. Factions just, was huge. Uncharted 2 was huge. Uncharted 3, huge. Uncharted 4, huge. Factions was actually bigger than all of those other ones, too. So to that degree, I think that Naughty Dog are a multiplayer developer as, as often as they're a single-player developer for the most part. Um, and they have clearly experience in the regard. So I think it could work. But Chris, go ahead and give your final spiel, and we're going to move on to another community state. <laughs> I don't know. I just I don't have a final spiel, really. I just... This conversation sounds like we're talking about some indie dev, and I don't understand. Like, I don't because we're. Ha- I just we're, think it's going to be successful. Yeah, I don't think. I don't. I think, I'm but, confused at why you think either one of us think that it won't. Like that clearly means built-in yeah. success, which clearly means I'm that just, we're looking at the fact that this is not I'm a dog, saying, and I don't even mean success as undeserved. I'm just saying this is clearly going to be. We're not. Success. We're ta- you guys are acting like Sony doesn't have the money to support the game. But it's not that. that. It's, it's it's does Naughty Dog have the workforce? It doesn't matter if Naughty Dog has the work for us because it's sony somebody okay, will be upkeeping no, the no, servers no. naughty dog's not going to do it in the same way that infinity ward isn't updating call of duty anymore even yeah. software is but, yeah. someone else is doing all okay, the work let, naughty dog is going to build this game but, and i think a lot of this conversation is ignoring empirical evidence right like respawn just launched titanfall into the void or not titanfall but apex into the void and it was successful because yes. gameplay matters over everything else and if gameplay if the gameplay of factions is naughty dog gameplay they're going to take people who are going to commit to this game they and it's going to last i don't understand For how long that's we'll that's that's the but whole that's point. my point I, but i that's my i'm entirely disagreeing that this is some flash in the pan game this is going to be Sony's big so game. Let me, let me, this is Naughty Dog. Me, as I said, it could be a flash in the pan, and that's worst case scenario, and it's still a huge success, or it gets to continue going on because it brings in enough people. Because I'll tell you right now, dude, I would be all over a multiplayer game that plays exactly like The Last of Us 2 did. The Last of Us 2 is some of the most fun I've had in a third-person shooter I would, in a long dude, time. Dude, they could remaster factions from The Last of Us 1, and I would be all over it. They could charge 50 bucks for it, and I would buy it. But see, this is the thing. I'm going to say is that you have Naughty Dog. And their multiplayer games, or their multiplayer, not games, but their multiplayer modes have not been bad, mediocre, subpar of any kind. They've always been good good quality. I can't speak for all of them because I haven't played all of them. But Factions, for certain, was great quality. But you can't ignore that the single-player aspect of every one of these games that has had a good multiplayer mode has had a fantastic, if not superb, single-player mode. So what all I'm saying is, is that in order to capture any kind of major over long periods of time success is that they're going to have to take people from audiences like Call of Duty, Fortnite, Apex, Tarkov, PUBG. You have to take people from these and have enough of them stay so that the game is supported over time in monthly pa- purchases for get passes, it, whatever they do, 
for it to be viable for them to stick in a in a in an area where they are often seen as great and not subpar. You look at games like, or you look at devs like Rockstar, who has always made superb single player experiences with like Grand Theft Auto games. And then you see them get lost in direction with GTA Online by just completely ignoring the DLC they had planned for the game originally to make more money using shark cards in GTA Online. But you you see that, and that's completely the exact opposite of what you would know Naughty Dog would do. Now, in regards to them handing this series off, the multiplayer off to another dev to uphold it, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know who they would do that to. I wouldn't even begin to give you a, a guess. But all I'm saying is, is that... Factions would 100% sure be a like a success overnight. That game would come out and it would do the thing like where it's a new multiplayer experience. So you're going to get especially famous on Twitch, but that's going to sizzle out over six months to a year. Once people start going back to Battlefield that's coming out, Call of Duty that's coming out, the new Fortnite season that happens because games like The Last of Us have never been put into a period of time in which they had that longevity to be able to experiment with games like this. There, There's a weird subset of the internet that goes back to Destiny for only Crucible, which I think is incredibly weird because I think that while Destiny has some of the best gunplay that's ever been in a first-person game, in terms of like the way the game controls, the multiplayer for that game is weak, but or the PvP. But I just don't think that this game could uphold any long-term success. Well, I say, and that's not even monetary at that point. That's just player base. Now, you could say like they'll hand it off. I'll just, and once again, I'll have to see them do that. I would have thought they would have done that with factions because factions at that point was, I would say factions is probably one of the best multiplayer experiences that was on the entire console of PS3. I don't know if anybody would, would disagree with me harshly on that, but I didn't get to play a resistance three multiplayer. I didn't get to play, um, what was the, uh, the other big like 36 versus 36 yep. multiplayer there was like oh well, 36 well hold on so resistance 2 had 32 that's versus what I'm 32 thinking for 64. Is, yeah. there was mag that had 256 i don't players. remember if mag was a, a success um, but all i'm saying is that like naughty dog in terms of what we know naughty dog for Killzone 3 was one of the other hottest PS3 exclusive ones. So, yeah, Naughty Dog have been at the at the head. The biggest thing is, to Chris's point, they could pass it off. I do wonder who they'd That's pass the it thing, off to. That's the thing. It's like, it, it, could they? Like, they absolutely but I don't know. could. Would they? I don't yeah. know. If they did, who would they pass it up to? I couldn't guess. I couldn't even speculate on who they would give it to. But see, I could see it being like Destruction All-Stars. I Brett has probably seen it too. Uh, when that game, and I'm just comparing it to that game for the for the 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 normal everyday person's reaction and speculation on how that game was going to work. Everybody thought that that game coming out was going to be the next esport game. I say everybody, a majority of people who were looking forward to that game was like, this is going to be a fun esport game. And it failed miserably. And it failed miserably because that game had no upholdal of any kind when it came to a season pass, a games as a service formula at any kind. It just, it also just didn't play it just that well. Blast. So I think that that's also the difference. It was a, it was a new developer, was that, a new word yeah, developer. I didn't, it, I didn't think the game controlled very well at all. I didn't think all. that there was a massive problem in the term of gameplay. But even then, I just think that like as much as I love Naughty Dog, I just think that, that they would have to pass the buck to somebody and I would have to trust that somebody. And who that somebody is, I don't know. But absolutely, okay, well, it, I will not deny that that game would not be successful. 
So I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to host really hard right now and just say that we're, we're gonna have to be done with this yeah. conversation. <laughs> uh, yeah, fine. So, Chris's face. Is, I with, can tell by Chris's face he's done with this conversation. <laughs> I think you guys are at patently insane. Hey, look, Chris. I would love for you to be 100 percent correct. I would too. And I don't even think I would absolutely I, I'm not love even, it. I just don't think it'll happen. I'm not even ne- leaning I nearly as hard against it as Saul. I could see this game being successful for years at a time. I'm just saying that the bare minimum is just a success for Sony, regardless. And then it would just be interesting to watch what it does as it I'm continues. Not, to but go. hold on, that's a thing though. But we're, I'm, we're, I'm done. we're done. We're done. We're done. I have. We're done. I, we're it's good. fine. That's okay. That's good. You just Saul, you just threw. Hold on. Fine. Then then let me not throw you in the bus. Saul apparently thinks it's going to be a massive success forever and I'm always. Not saying, so no, there you are. but that's the thing. I'm not saying that it couldn't be. I'm just saying I don't think it would be. Uh, yeah, all I was it saying has the potential. I think, I'm, I think I'm more on Chris's side like, in terms of if in this middling ground, I'm more towards Chris's side of it has a strong potential of being a success. I'm not saying it does for multiple years, but we're done. It doesn't matter. Oh my god, you can spill your guts out anywhere else. So here we are. <sighs> the, I'm going to pull one more from Facebook, and then I think we're going to call that one. Hey, no fate. Thanks for a really long conversation. I hope that you didn't hate it because that is not the topic fault. of the episode. Yeah, two, what do you think? Two hours and 30 minutes episode? long at this point. Actually, I, I, I'm not even kidding. I don't know what else would be. So I think the main topic has just become the last of us multiplayer's chance of success in the industry because I don't know what else we're going to talk about. But we're going to finish Nothing the community sake at least. <laughs> that is true. Uh, let's see. I'm going to grab one more. Um, okay. Jeff Schrock is an interesting one. I went in. Uh, I went into it hoping for Silent Hill and Metal Gear, which I should have done, which Oof. I shouldn't have done. So watching it, I was let down by the whole thing. A couple days later, though, I started feeling hype for some stuff that was shown, mainly Wolverine, Project Eve, and Spider Man Two. And this goes back to a long conversation that we've had as a through line these last couple episodes: setting your own expectations and not letting yourself crumble underneath them. Because that's what happens. And it's funny that I'm glad that he even said, right, when he gave himself time to remove from the fact that his expectations weren't met, he actually looked at what was in there. I was like, there's some pretty cool stuff. That's cool. Good answer. Thanks, Jeff. Um, So, yeah, unless you guys want to find something real quick to close the show out on, I think that the Naughty Dog thing is interesting, and I would actually like to see people Back to Naughty Dog. Um, (laughs) Oh, my God. It's the topic of the show. I'll keep talking about it. I'll just look. I'll just. I'll just throw this out here. I'm not, because Brent just completely. That's not you. you, You're. I think I could have said it better. Let let me clarify what I said, then you can go on. Okay. I'm saying that you're. You still think it could be a success. I'm I'm saying I'm leaning more towards Chris's version of success. You said could as a possibility. It would be a success. All I'm saying is over multiple. Years. Over multiple years, I think it. that yeah, I don't think that they would. And here's the thing: I, it's not that I don't think it would be a success. I don't think that they would uphold it for that long. I think that by then, for it to become a yearly title, I think past year two, or year technically going into year two or whatever, I think that there would they would have to pull resources and go to something else. They don't have that kind of manpower. And to pass the buck off, I'm not saying they couldn't, but to pass the buck off, I'm not sure who they would pass it off to. As a matter of fact, Chris, I'm up into suggestions. Who do you think they would pass the buck off to? Sony has multiple satellite studios that we don't even know about. Like the yep. studio they just opened in Malaysia. This is yep. not, we don't have to, it doesn't have to be like Aspire or something like that. It it's doesn't just even a have bunch to of dudes in. who live in, a, in, live in a warehouse who are clicking <laughs> buttons on the servers. That's all they need. Well, and no, he's talking, no, no, no. I'm talking about like not to keep the game up and running. I'm talking about the, like you, cause you have to put work into battle passes, map updates. That's what I'm talking about. 
rebalancing yeah, the game like, at like different you gotta points think about to it. keep people wanting to rotate through different new, guns. New loot, new weapon rebalancing, new maps, new season passes. That's what I'm referring to in terms of lasting, like the longevity. It's a thing. I mean, okay, but Sony just talked about how they were investing hundreds of millions of dollars into their studios. And you yep. think that they're taking their biggest franchise right now, which is The Last of Us, turning it into a huge multiplayer experience that's more my problem on why you that's why i'm more so like disagreeing on the fact that you're jumping into like this is going to die after a year do you think because do you think i'm saying it's, that it's going that i don't think it would be successful or do you are you think saying that i think that my, sony wouldn't do it i think the insane part of what you're saying is that you think this game is not going to last that's not what i'm saying i'm saying sony, yes it no, is though i'm saying sony you, you gave it a year put, because sony <laughs> themselves would not put the resources into it to last long why would that. you think because that though never, then, why so, in what world never, would they take their biggest franchise never done that has a re- they've never done this before what do you mean they've never done their this biggest before? franchise with a tv show with a remaster of the first game with a, a ginormous second game a They're, remake again, of the first game potentially actually yeah. that's what i did that not what i said you said remaster so i just okay. was letting a know. remake yeah. of the first game and now they're tying in a survival multiplayer experience from a world-class studio right why would you assume they wouldn't put the money in to make the game last do y'all hey real quick why do is that remember? where the mind goes that's what i'm confused because about. here's the thing you, you talked about <laughs> imperial evidence about them being able to show that this has happened before right like you and you, and you brought that up right where has this ever happened before well, my point was that you can launch a game and take the audience you away could because without, that's what without the president you before it. with factions yes. You absolutely yes, would. you would. But how long would you keep that audience? That's my whole point through all of it. His, his, yeah, but his same example, right? Of of it being respawned with Apex. Apex has been going on for like three years now. Yeah, strong. And that was a studio that prior to that didn't have this same form of idea right. of how you support an online game. And that respawn has like a service. respawn has like six projects in the works besides Apex. But they had so I don't. Under- but they had way more experience yeah. than Naughty Dog did in terms of that. In terms terms of their multiplayer experience because you had titanfall well, okay and titanfall sure. but traditional multiplayer but that's but also not, traditional wait, multiplayer. But, but this this whole not premise is wrong uncharted 4 has multiplayer the last of us has multiplayer are, well, uncharted 2 has multiplayer say, uncharted 3 has multiplayer they know how to make multiplayer not, well, hold on yep. and i'm not saying that either but what i'm saying is is the last of us factions from the, the original one not the one that's being speculated now is that anything like uncharted's multiplayer other than it being a third person shooter no, but doesn't that lead more credence into the fact that they can change on a dime and do what they want and figure it out? Well, n- no, not really, because like how they made an entirely different multiplayer mode, and they made multiple successful ones. That are, and it's so here, here's one of, like called, you said, one of the best 2, of all time. Uncharted exactly, 2's multiplayer but, is entirely different from Uncharted 3's multiplayer, right. which is entirely different from The Last of Us's multiplayer, which is entirely different from the Uncharted 4 multiplayer. Clearly, they know how to work this stuff out. And I actually brought that example up earlier because I think it'd be I think it's definitely a false premise to say that. And I'm not I, I'm not trying to put it on you that you said that but naughty dog clearly know how to make multiplayer well, games I've never said and that. as sony's first part i just said i that know you but you should even have to specify that because th- th- you're already like, but i'm bringing up the fact that beforehand i brought up that naughty dog are a very among sony's first party studios they're basically cream of the crop besides like 
Killzone 3 and 2 were very popular online. So they're among the most popular online developers that Sony even has. So if anyone was going to do it, it would be them. And they have similar experience in the way they handled their multiplayer games to the way that Titanfall and them did because Respawn did more traditional, we're going to support this multiplayer for about a year like all games had done prior, right. not as a game as a service, but more of we're going to put it out, there'll be a map pack or two, lasted. and we'll let yes. it go. Yeah. So to that degree, Naughty Dog has just as much experience as Respawn did when Respawn decided to take this dive, and we've seen Re- Respawn thrive in And we've dive. seen them so throw that's away point. Titanfall 3 for this. And for- yeah, but they've also literally made a Star Wars game and have another one and have another one. So Chris's point still stands up. They're making single-player, strong-driven games completely separate from this multiplayer. So I don't think it would necessarily hurt Naughty Dog at all. But Re- Respawn has the sequel of Fallen Order, another single-player RPG. They also have Medal of Honor, and they have Apex. Yes, they lost Titanfall. But they have but four other was never games. never that successful to begin with. I mean, right. it was beloved in terms of review scores, but yeah. I guess my point is, like, even regardless <sighs> of anything else, like, there's that game Vigor, which I don't know if any of you played, but I was a really big fan of it. That is the Last of Us Factions in a lot of ways. It released in 2018 and it's still going on. I don't think... I'm I don't not, know. I just don't I'm not see... not saying... And I, this is... I've had to clarify this, like, three times now. I'm not saying that it won't continue. I'm saying it will not be a commercial success for years upon end because they're not going to put the work in past year one. And here's why. Here's why I'm thinking this. We've never seen it happen ever with any game other than the yearly, like like we said, the map packs and stuff for Uncharted. I don't think they ever got map packs. But to reference them like we did, that's how kind of older games like that worked. Multiplayer would last around nine months after launch and it would kind of dwindle down. You're comparing it to Respawn, who's owned by EA, who's done multiple and has given them multiple. Like, how many EA games have multiplayer that they've lasted for years upon years on each of those games? Millions. Battlefield Five. Hundreds. Yeah, you're comparing. You're automatically (laughs) comparing them to a, a, a completely different kind of scenario, too. Because no, well, my point was that you can launch a game with no backup and still go. And then I was also saying that Respawn is also. I'm just saying that, like, in terms of longevity. This game would not be able to last without tons and tons of resources that I don't think they're going to put in because the the people that they're going to need to be successful, like for that period of time, not at launch, because the game would be commercially successful at launch. It'll be because of commercially su- successful for almost a year after launch because anybody who wants to get in with friends, who wants to buy it, it's gonna not it's gonna be like we said, let's say it's a $70 thing. But after that, with any multiplayer game that has come out in the past half decade to a decade, if it's not thriving after a year, you have a very small subset of community that still is there, but it's not successful anymore. And that's what I just feel like is going to happen. I'm not saying I want that to happen either, but we've yet to see Sony keep a multiplayer game up and running for a long period of time. I've said it for a while now. That's what I want them to do. If they were to come out and say that this is factions, factions has a five-year, you know, um, update window of of every three months. There's a new season pass with new loot and all this stuff. I would be ecstatic. I don't think they're going to do anything like that at all. I want them to, without a shadow of a doubt. Obviously, I want them to. I was a massive fan of the first one. I just don't think that that game could do that. And the reason I think that a, a major point of that is is because they're going to have a hard time pulling people away from other multiplayer games. That's as clear as I can be. 
And that's and that's something that yeah, like I, I understand your point. And that's yeah. something that like I don't even see as a hard agree to. You have these casual people who keep coming off of these free to play games like Fortnite and Call of Duty Mobile and PUBG that you would get, sure, but at that same time, if if we're gonna say this is launching at a sixty to seventy dollar premium, you're already doing something that the others aren't. Because Apex is free. I do agree that Fortnite's yeah. free. PUBG, I think, has announced that it's going free or it is free. Um, 30 bucks, 30 bucks, but it, it's going free. You have these things that like where it's just, it's, it's hard to look at, right? You can't look at a game that's going to cost money, a multiplayer game in this day and age that's going to cost money like that. That's only a multiplayer mode. And don't forget people freak out at call of duty for not having a campaign at $60. And you think that a $70 multiplayer mode is going to be successful over years. I think so too, but you're going to be crazy to think that game's not going to get the backlash that that's that that's good, that everything else is going to get. Cause just like Brett, Brett says that call of duty without multi uh, campaign is not worth $60. You can imagine the same people are going to say the same thing for last of us factions. Whereas like, you know, that game's not worth $70 on PS five, which to me, I I wouldn't agree with if if I also don't think factions is just multiplayer either. So, well, hold on here. Now this is starting to change the conversation. What else do you think it is? Because I'm thinking you're, this entire time is is going off a four v four multiplayer mode. Whoa, I've whoa, been saying we this whole time that I didn't think that was, that was the, the case at all. That's been my point this whole time. Is I don't understand the logic of Sony is not going to support it, and then thinking that this is just a dinky little game and we're sweeping it under the rug. That was where I had an issue, more of an issue was yeah. Saying, yeah, I think the game's being swept under the rug. Just because they're not talking about it doesn't mean it's going to be swept under the rug. This is Naughty Dog. They're doing yeah. something crazy well, with this. I, Whether it's successful or not... I've already clarified, too, that is enough- sweeping under the rug is as often used as like a permanent kind of thing or like a hiding kind of thing. Like, we're not going to worry about this right now. I, You're saying put on the back I, burner? I'm saying it's put on the back burner. That's what I said from get-go of this entire okay, conversation so- was that this game is being put under the rug in terms of like, let's not worry about this right now. Let's worry about this right now because this is what's important to the PS5 right now. So, to real quick, because I, I do think it's fair. I, I, Chris early on kept saying, like, even after I did about Battle Royale, how he thought Battle Royale could work in this. But then he went on to say that he thought that this game could actually work as like a Tarkov game, which is clearly a very different style of multiplayer game. I said uh, that too, by the way. Then some of the I know you did, and he mentioned it as well. Uh, so to that degree, I don't think that he was ever saying. Uh, that it was just a 4v4 multiplayer game. Um, but something else that Chris brought up that we haven't dove much into yet, which I, it's interesting because there's actually the same thing where there's not a lot of precedent of this doing very well. But Chris had talked about the fact that right now, Sony's in a position where we're hearing about Twisted Metal being made because there's going to be a TV show. The Last of Us 2 just came out, and despite the fact that it was clearly very controversial, it sold very well, and it rated very well. So it's a huge success for them. They have so much money going into this HBO series. It's the most expensive HBO series that's ever been made, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Per episode budget is insanity. It's it's like three Uh, times any Game of Thrones episode budget, I think, if I read correctly. Or four times. It's one of the so, yeah, so when you look at that and you look at the fact that this would be – if they have the multiplayer ready to go around the same time as a TV series, it's a way to get this kind of full-on thing. And I don't know if y'all remember this. Back in the PS3, late PS3, there was a game that came out uh, called Defiance. Yes. And the whole point is that sci-fi it was a multiplayer show. game that had a sci-fi series, uh, like a sci-fi channel series at the same time. And – 
clearly that idea didn't nope. really work very so well that game back was then. Not but successful. I think that that could I think that could happen, and I think Sony's trying to look at that right now. So if Sony's angling that up to Chris's point too. If you actually play it off the right way, you can have games like Tarkov and whatnot tell a story in its own weird way. And this is a way to keep people interacted in that. And it's a way to more justify the fact that it's a dollar amount behind it, a $70 dollar amount instead of, or even a 40, whatever they choose to put it out at, even if it is 70. It makes more sense because it's going to be a different premise than uh, a Battle Royale game to begin with, even if there's a Battle Royale well, mode. Who hold knows? on, let me, let me pause But you could play that off. So to Chris's point on that side of things, in which I wasn't fully thinking, I wasn't thinking of 4v4 only, but to that side of things, I think that there could be something here and that they could make it work to where they have an all-encompassing way of having this IP that's their biggest can fully owned IP because like really Sony's biggest series on PlayStation is Spider-Man but they don't own Spider-Man to that degree they own Last of Us to that degree and they can leverage that as much as they see fit so I could see that really working and if they find a way to still tickle the story wants of people which I think factions already did but on a much smaller scale you could find a way to make the right game here work out to where you can get people into the series. You can get people who have been playing the games into this if they're not going to watch the series. And then you can occasionally put little story bits and environmental storytelling in and get people to stay for long periods of time by updating it that way, like we see people do with games like Rust. And you will see, and here's the, so, here, here's ahead, the thing. You're absolutely right. The one thing I was going to pause you on is that when you said if it's $40, th- this conversation changes a lot when it goes down in price. If this game launches free, obviously that game's way more easier upkeep. The successful rate for it is going to be a little bit higher because it's going to have a more it's the the door to be able to play it is going to be incredibly low. It's not going to have any kind of obstacle to be able to play it. But my thing is is that you're absolutely right. They could literally make it so that there are characters in factions that are tied into the TV show, and there's a story that's running parallel between them, and it would be successful for that. But I don't think that's what they're going to do. I want them, like I said a second ago, I would love for factions to come out at $70, $60, $50, whatever the price is. But I would love for them to take the time and put the work in for season passes to keep the multiplayer constantly going, more game modes, loot, more maps, gun rebalancing, the whole shebang. I just don't think they will. That's and that's just at that point it's subjective. Like there's, but I, that's the thing. That obviously it's going to be a successful thing. It will be a 100 successful. But I've never seen Sony do something that bold before. They've never taken an IP like that. They've never turned it into a yearly franchise for multiplayer. But they've also never turned it into an HBO series. So, that's, but that's the thing though. Let me well, let me on, ask you on, something, Saul. Because I think you, you brought that up. Me. Go ahead. Go you brought ahead. that up before. They've taken their IPs and turned them into movies before they've done this before not not often, not often but, but yeah, they've done times. this they have done this before you just keep using hbo but they've done they've done they've taken their ips and turned them into different mediums before mediums so can i tell you a difference in what's going on here though that i think plays an important sure. role every time that every time that sony's ever done that and for that matter any other film uh, movie a uh, game to movie mm-hmm. situation has happened it's never been with the original creator of the series having a strong hand or any kind of say whereas in this case the hbo series is literally being helmed by neil Druckmann and craig mazin as well as some other directors right. so the creative direction is way different and i think that that shows that sony's taking this in a very different way than they ever have before good example we talked about how ratchet and clank movie wasn't really it didn't do well or anything you know what the budget on the ratchet and clank movie was probably like 
less than half the game. 17 million. Wow. The entire movie was done in 17 million. And so while it still came up short in the box office at like 13 and a half million, that wasn't Sony trying as nearly as hard as you can see them doing here. And nor did Insomniac really have much of a say of what was going on in the movie. It was handled by the people that did reboot. Ironically, uh, that's the studio that actually did the animation and whatnot. So, with those things in mind, I think that this, I think every bit of this is Sony trying to go out into uncharted territory and try something. But yeah, I have another nice. question. Yeah. I have another question here uh, that, I, that I really don't know the answer to because I've not played as many of them. I think, Saul, you might have, or at least you've looked into them more than I have. Um, so if we kind of flip the idea of what's going on here, right? And we still keep a factions light gameplay, but we move it more towards something that's like Rust or Tarkov or something like that. Do those games get season passes? Yes. How often do they really see big changes? Quarterly. And how hard would it be for Sony to actually do that with an idea of a story behind it and not want to support it if it has a higher chance of being supported by the main The Last of Us group if it, and even other Last of Us casuals if there is a story that's running concurrently through? Do you think those things would give it a higher chance of succeeding for a long period? Because I think Well, the first three, absolutely. I don't think it would need a story. I think that that would take that would typically take the people who are interested in The Last of Us. It would take it automatically in Excel times ten, because you got to think about it. That game is a cinematic adventure, so you have everything you need to know in terms of that. With it being a cinematic based game, so having a like some kind of story in it would make sense. But absolutely on everything else, multiplayer games now thrive on having that season pass having that gun rebalance, having this new loot come out, these new maps come out, these quarterly changes yeah. every single year. And then I do agree with that. And that's yeah. the thing is that I do not think that Sony or Naughty Dog would continue to do that for their game because of Naughty Dog's manpower. I've, and that's my, that's been my whole thing. I'm not saying that they can't hand it off to somebody. <clears throat> I'm not saying that they wouldn't hand it off to somebody. But it's like what I brought up earlier. There's still that rumored Naughty Dog sci-fi game. There's still stuff that involves The Last of Us because the way the game ended. There's still stuff that could involve Uncharted. I do not think that Naughty Dog themselves would do this. They would have yeah, to. Well, Naughty Dog have already said they're not going to work on Uncharted, and that was clearly happening somewhere else. And that's what Sony was aiming. If there, if there is another Uncharted, uh, Naughty Dog have basically said they but don't want to be involved. But there's no way Naughty Dog is going to become a multiplayer game developer. They're going to go on to bigger things in cinematic universes. No. No, but but to you know, but like Chris said, after a certain period of supporting the game in the normal first party way, it would go on as they're ready to work on whatever they want that studio team to work on, whatever thing is hitting production in such a way that they need to pull people and and bolster production. And I'm um, not saying that, that they'll pull that off and that and hand it to someone else. And again, I who knows? Like Chris said, there's a lot of satellite studios that Sony has. They may do that. They may even send it off to someone else. Like, you know, CD Projekt Red gets a lot of stuff done and, and sends stuff off to Saber Interactive often. And Saber Interactive have designed completely from the ground up multiplayer modes for multiple but, games. So to that degree, you could go to a third party person. There's a lot of ways they could handle it without having to do anything and let Naughty Dog set the foundation and let someone else continue to grow it while Neil Druckmann or whoever is going to be the creative director still gets some ideas and thoughts on if they want there to be any kind of story tie-in at all even if it's small like environmental storytelling or very sparsed out like way to tell a story through multiplayer gaming which is possible clearly can happen so 
who knows in that degree i think that there's a lot of interesting things that sony could do here with this and if sony really is being as ballsy and brassy as they're talking about with their idea of becoming like a multimedia conglomerate the way they want to be where all of their ip is not only just gaming but also successful in tv and film and comic books or whatever it be if they're going to do that they're going to have to make bold moves like making a very long running naughty dog multiplayer game in the last of us i think it's an interesting idea and that's not saying that anybody's wrong what they said today i just think that that's a that's clearly a very strong way for sony to assert that it is indeed doing the thing that it says it wanted to do we'll see and i'll just take it back to this as an example you don't see new multiplayer ips coming out yearly and being successful you just don't you see the same ones over and over and over and over again and sometimes those ips even fail like Call of Duty. There are years when Call of Duty does not do great. And the player base for Call of Duty yep. is not good compared to the last year. You would consider that a fail, a failure, because it's not as good. Yearly, they would want to increase their sales. And every now and then, it doesn't work that way. But that's kind of the whole thing, is that every now and then, you get these like little golden wonders of these little multiplayer games that exceed. But they typically have backroots on why they're succeeding. You have Apex. Apex has the gameplay and the traversal that Titanfall did, backed by EA, who's who has millions of dollars to throw at a multiplayer game, even if it fails. They don't care. But you don't have that with Sony. You could. You absolutely could. You just don't currently. And the reason I don't think that you will is because that's not where they make their money. We've said it before. All of their first-party IPs, you have them coming through, and you have them doing first-person, third-person, uh, third uh, action-adventure games, JRPGs in some regards, but it's rare to see indies. It's rare to see first-person shooters anymore. It's rare to see big multiplayer games anymore. I just don't think that they are going to sit here and support what they need to support for this game, nor Naughty Dog. That's been my whole thought this gotcha. entire time. Now, if they're going to hand it off, sure. I couldn't tell you what that studio would be. I couldn't tell you at that point if it's going to be successful or not because I wouldn't know. They could they could hand it off to the same people who do Titanfall. They could hand it off to the same people who do, you know, I don't know, Halo. I don't know. They could they could hand it off to uh, Bungie. But I wouldn't know. I, but I'm I mean, technically, I guess they could hand it off to Bungie. They are yeah. independent now. But I'm saying specifically <laughs> for Naughty Dog and Sony, they wouldn't. They wouldn't do that. These are unprecedented things. So, uh, yeah. So that's where you're at on it. I'm at saying that I'm Sony's right at the at the apex, haha, of uh, showing whether or not they're willing to be ballsy and make a risk. So, Chris, what's your closing remarks on this potential on this particular topic? <laughs> While Saul's gone, <laughs> uh, Sony's going to support the game, and it'll be their game for the entire ps5 generation it'll be massive i don't like by massive i don't mean it won't lose players but i do mean that this is sony and their biggest studio and their most talented one of their most talented studios arguably up there with insomniac i don't see any world where they're not capable or willing to put the work in to make sure this is successful like so i just do you that's my do you happen to know play uh, apex's player count right now i'm just using this as a good example like what's apex's usual standard monthly player player count i mean i'm not oh that's not my different computer i was typing on i'm not sure honestly but i know it got bigger this season sure let's see steam charts it season is nine average more than nine million players yep 
on oh, Steam we- right now in August, it was at 324, September 274,000. And that's just the PC version. Yep. Oh, that's just the Steam version. It's not even the uh, uh, whatever origin. It's not even the origin version. So it's a it's huge. Yeah. So that's kind of what I was looking at is in this situation, right? If we're looking at all of those games that have these things and how big their current player base is, what would you like if you because you know more about these types of games? Do you think sure. there's a number in your mind of what Sony would have to keep their concurrent player base around for this game to be a considerable long term success? Because to Saul's point, right? If you're keeping a certain number of concurrent players, it means that you're scratching their itch and satisfying them with updates, however often you're giving them out, rebalancing however often you're giving them out, and potentially seasons whenever you're hitting them. So if we're looking at them having what we said, nine million concurrent players. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, here, here's right here. It says, uh, in August 21, uh, August of 21, it was reported by EA in an earnings call that season nine for Apex Legends averaged more than 13 million weekly active players. Yeah. And uh, 2 I mean, million players per day on average. I think the answer to your question is it depends on if it's free or not. If it's free, $100,000, 100,000 people, people is fine. If it's paid, it could be less than that because they're already paid. And they made that money um, from the purchase. Right. Yeah. So, well, and I would imagine that even if it's paid, they're not they're going to do what they did with The Last of Us to begin with and then have some form of microtransactions inside of it, which is fun. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I find that interesting, though, because, you know, you have a game, I think, free. You want a higher player count because of that. But, if yeah, if they're hitting two, you know, 13 million weekly active players, I mean, if The Last of Us can come out in a year from launch, can still be at a million concurrent players uh, uh, weekly active, I think that's a pretty big win for a, for a game that would ostensibly only be on PS5, at least for a considerable amount of time. And I wonder if that would be a title that Sony would still bring to PC for cross-play and to get the player count up so it has a higher chance of staying active for longer, or if that would be one that they would actually hoard and say PS5 I- only. This is why you buy a PS5. I would, we can You'll still get our stories take. elsewhere. We can end this on my hot take if you want, but uh, factions will be day and date on PC. I actually could see that if your if your whole point is to get an active player base as quickly as possible and to sustain it for a long period of time. Yeah. So, all right, that's a good ending thing. Saul, there was some new information there. If you want to try and say one last quick thing, what was the new information? The I just kind of looking at Chris's view on what would make it for him and what he knows about those types of games, what kind of player count would be considered a success uh, in that regard. So um, you, you want to say anything I, to that? I don't Do know the context a, a of what he that said. You think? Uh, he, he was just talking about Apex and how if it was a paid-to-play game, it wouldn't have to have as many people, but if it was like a free-to-play, 100,000 players daily or whatever would be pretty good. And he was looking at Steam numbers and whatnot, and I brought up a... a information that showed that apex right now and its big hit is at more than 13 million active weekly players so for sony with this being a more locked down game is there a what would be the moniker of success because player retention so if you're still hitting a year out you know a million players active weekly is that a success for sony and on a far more closed ecosystem Uh, i would say probably i would say probably so depending on the price too if it's free you know it gets kind of iffy but it's still the fact that the player base is alive, right? Is that even sure. if they're not making money, it's still an active game. I consider that a success. I don't, to me, as a consumer, if a multiplayer game still has that many people on a year out, that's success because that means that I can go play that game and get, you know, 
and have a reason to play that game. I'm not playing the same four or five different people every time or the same yeah, four or five like squads. Full, the full experience. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the same as if it were launched for all intents and purposes. I'm playing with different people every time. So, so that is yep. becoming a success. But cool. All right. Well, I guess now that leads to the community's take. So for next week, of course, you'll see us pop it out on the Twitter, which is over at Triangle SQRD, or the Facebook, which is Triangle Square to PlayStation Podcast. It's a group. You can ask to be entered into there. Or, of course, you can always hit the Discord up, which is in the description below. But uh, make sure you go and answer your thoughts on Naughty Dog and what a first-party Naughty Dog multiplayer solution would look like and how successful you think it would be and what you'd like to see in it. I'm curious to see if there's any game modes that someone would find interesting within the con within the concept of the last of us that we haven't already thought of, you know, like, you know, is there anybody out there that has some cool idea from a niche game that's already kind of explored it, but wanted to see it done in a more triple a fashion, but that'll be for you to let us know. Remember you can of course find us every week, every Monday, these episodes drop now in video format and also with timestamps this week, courtesy of Chris being a gentleman and keeping those down for us. Thank you, Chris. Yes, sir. Um, but thank you guys for joining me. Appreciate you. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Very interesting, weird episode. Uh, and lastly, if you want to support the show with more than just your time, which we are always so happy and thankful for, head over to patreon.com slash Nartech and consider giving as little as a dollar per month. Uh, it does a lot to help the show keep going. Don't have to dig in our own pockets to keep it hosted. And we can buy equipment when we need to because people at my work keep getting COVID. (laughs) (laughs) So that's what keeps happening here. That's why we're doing things this way. So hopefully that can eventually change. But we can't risk it for Saul's health, and uh, I don't think we should. Um, So with that said, we're going to close this episode off, uh, and we'll see you for episode 230. So thank you guys, and a big shout-out to our patrons. We have Ham and Egger, Bailey Robertson, Rob Warpoint, Josh Drago, Mark Schutz, Cypher Primus, Jason Clendenning, Kyle Grimm, Richard Schaefer, Rude Days 93, Joshua Lago, Landis, Kevin Baconbits, Luke Rabbit, Danny Villiobos, Solitary Red, Jehudi MD, Sean, Josh Ayers, Derek Porter, Corey Hickerson, Constantly Kenny, Matthew Green, Sean Santarude, The Stonerd, Josh Jarrell, Stephen Salazar, The Shadowist, and my name is Dan. Thank you all so much.